maybe invite my page on the live? Yes, you're invited. <laughs> now, this is a small one. Okay. So we're good. We're here in the class 76 in our Amuna studio of Rav Sholem Oreshlita. We had the pleasure to have the first time ever I'm meeting him and in our holy location in Jerusalem, Rudy Rochman is in the house or in the studio. Say hello. Shalom, everyone. I'm so happy to be here and the honor is all mine. Yeah, wow. We feel it. And it was very, very exciting, like watching the journey, seeing him get here. And it's happened in a real way, in a real time. And it's all meant to be exactly when it's supposed to be. Rudy was saying himself on the phone. And that's the kind of focus we have in our Muna class. It's all about Muna and tuning in to the times and the places that we are all together in. So the focus of today's class, Rudy Rochman, is truth and unity, and it's an activism vibe. It's not an advocate, he explained to me, and we'll get into that. It's going to be a lot of amazing discussions, and hopefully it will generate some real activism from all of you guys listening, because that's something which is the most important part of our class. We don't want you to just listen or watch or touch base or share a little bit. We want you to actually have a change, a flow that brings about real positive change in your life, and can impact your daily life. We welcome all our guests of the Holy Land, especially Rudy. Um, are you from here originally? I think all, we're all from here originally. Oh. But I was born in France and grew up in the U.S., but I live in Israel now. Amazing. So that's the beautiful answer, the, the kind of focus we want. We're all from here. Get that. Internalize that. We're all from this Holy Land. We welcome him and we wish him success. We dedicate this class to his success. We're one of his advocates. Let's maybe... Let's see if we can go up a step. We'll get that clearer as the class goes on to become active as well. We want to be healing all forms of corona. And Rafur Shlema, I had the pleasure to just come back from Amsterdam. There was not a mention of corona, nothing. Amazing. No masks, no checking anything. It was, thank God, a whole new world, even though really that's how life used to be a few years ago. But this is a big step forward. And if people are hearing that it's coming back, let's hope that's not true. And it will be a good riddance to Corona. These classes are for the elevation to the pure soul of Gedalia's son. I don't know if you know Gedalia Fenster, but his son passed away. And we're dedicating this class to Rachma Daniel Ben Gedalia. We appreciate your dedication to our Muna class, to the Rav's teachings. We wish everyone a good week. We're finally finishing off Sivan and getting to the new month of Chodesh Tamas. Wish everyone a good Chodesh. And we do have a special campaign this Rishchodesh, this Wednesday, Thursday. The Rav's going to be praying for you by the Kever of Yosef Sadiq, And you can send us names. I'm just mentioning it now, but it's on all our platforms. Check it out. And the main tagline of this class is sharing Amuna Global and bringing some more unity to our world. Amen. Okay, let's go. Um, the first feedback. We're going to just do a little feedback and then we'll get into our wonderful guest, Rudy Rochman. Okay, someone wrote, amazing. Should say eight times a day, Nana Nachma Mu'uman. 
it's good to have a little bit of comedy. Uh, maybe they're being serious, but for me, it makes me laugh. Okay, weekly Ellie Goldsmith's class. That was on my class. Baruch Hashem, Shalom Rabbi from Mexico. Thank God this is a global class. So you see people from all the world are reaching out. Shalom Rabbi from Sydney, Australia. Shalom Bayat Uba'ala, someone wrote on one of our pictures, getting every, everyone ready for Shabbat. Someone else wrote on Nissan Black's class on another platform. I really enjoy Nissan Black's songs. The lyrics are very touching and real. It was very inspiring to hear how he's sharing his talents and spreading light through various platforms, wishing him much success and more blessings. Here's the suggestion for a song title, Never Gave Up Being Better. Okay, interesting. Well, maybe we'll pass it on, maybe not. Brilliant combo, someone wrote, because just the two of us, unfortunately, Rav Dine Algod is not here again. He's still unwell from his accident. We dedicate again a class to Rav Sholem, um, Elchanan Sholem Ben Shoshana Bela. Should have a full recovery. Amen. Very sad that he, uh, unfortunately, is not making a second class. So we're going to keep praying and we'll see him soon. Please, God. But someone wrote, Amen, Amen, Amen. Great class. Eli Shkoyach, that's from Yosef Daniel, and someone else from Germany wrote that. Weekly Amuna class. Thank you for your prayers for a successful trip to Amsterdam. Yes, I had a wonderful trip and I appreciate everyone who reached out and wished me success with that because it was a success and I'm happy to be back in the Holy Land. Meshem, bless the rabbi, Rav Sholem Morish. Thank you so much, Javer. Actually, Javer, which I suppose is uh, Spanish or maybe even Portuguese. Excited for Rudy's class. Love this Breslov meeting Rudy. So that was the feedback so far over the previous week. There was a lot more as well, but this for now. Thank you, Hashem, for everything you give us. We're here together in our studio. Thank you for these classes. And let's go ahead together. We apologize again that Rav Shalom Morish still is not here. Also, we dedicate the class to his full recovery of Shalom Ben Yemna. But thank God we have a guest who's got amazing energy, a lot of wisdom and a lot of advice on how to be active and get things moving in the world nowadays, especially with all the struggles people are going through. So let's go to Rudy Rochman. We'll just do a tiny intro. I see here Rudy Rochman was born, and we mentioned before, in France, and he's grew, grew up all around the world. Now, rather than me read out this long list, maybe you'll do the full justice but i can just say for me personally watching you on on your platforms and seeing you in action and seeing you thank god meeting up with amazing souls and also all kinds of controversial people as well difficult people you have an ability to communicate that everyone out there could learn from it makes me think a little bit of ben shapiro but you're actually going out there he's sitting in his studio you're active on the on the streets and it's amazing. I mean, I've seen you in, in Israel bringing Palestinians together. I've seen you in uh, America and going to the UN building and talking to everyone over there. And I mean, uh, you'll have to give a better description because you're the one doing it. But to me, it's an honor to have someone who's not scared of the political division and political divide and a political conversation. And we try not to be so involved with politics. So our focus here is the conversation that brings us to a more unified place. So please, let's go ahead and you lead the way now. Well, I think we need to start from the beginning because I think everyone's journey starts at a starting spot. Sure. Um, for me, what led me to achieve what I've achieved and to still do all the things that I have to do uh, was a moment of anti-Semitism, actually. So to back up, I was born in France, moved to Israel when I was three, then to Miami when I was five. My grandparents were all born in different countries on my mother's side of the family. They were born in uh, Morocco and Algeria, on my father's side of the family. They were born in Poland and Belgium. And I realized growing up that, hold up, when we were in Morocco, we weren't Moroccan, we were Jews, and we were kicked out for not being Moroccan. 
When we were in Poland, we were Jews. We were kicked out from Poland for not being Polish. And same thing for Jews in Russia and in Ethiopia and in Germany and Yemen and in all the places that we lived in. So why now that we've been displaced from those places, do we now identify as that is our origins? It is an experience that we had that is valuable, that we learned from, that we gave back to. But it's an experience amongst many other experiences. And the origins of really where we are is from Israel. So how did I get to this conclusion? Now, when I got to Miami at the age of five, uh, I would say Miami is the most un-American place in the entirety of the U.S. where no one identifies as American. You're Argentinian, Venezuelan, Colombian, Haitian, Jamaican. And so growing up, I was always labeled the French kid. Yes. And uh, being, we have a little bit of uh, yeah. sound. Uh, growing up, being labeled as the French kid, although never feeling as I'm French, um, I realized that, hold up, this is not the country of origin where I'm from because when I'd go back to France to visit my cousins, I was labeled the American cousin. And then I'm also connected to Israel. And then I'm also Jewish. And then I'm also a Levite. And then also all these different identities. And there was something that happened to me that really changed my life. And I think often for people who become active in whatever space that they do or create light and where they create light, there's usually a, a precipitating factor, something that happens first. And for me, it was a moment of anti-Semitism in London. I was uh, seven years old. I took a trip to to uh, the main city, and we took the red tour bus that does the tour of London. And my mom was wearing a shirt in Hebrew that said Emet. And I think that word is also very relevant to what eventually happens. And we got onto the red tour bus, and the bus driver notices my mom's shirt. And he says, excuse me, is that written in Jewish? And she says, no, it's written in Hebrew, but it's the language of the Jewish people, if that's what you're asking. And he says, are you guys Jews? Yeah. And my mom says, yeah, of course we're Jewish. And he's like, well, I don't want any Jews on my bus. You have to get off. Wow. And my mom said, I don't know who you think you are. We're not getting off this bus. And he got up, grabbed my mom, and threw her off. Wow. And that was the moment where so I realized sad. I was not prepared for this world. Because wow. I was not taught how to defend myself physically, emotionally, ideologically, spiritually. We're taught to practice Judaism, not put Judaism into practice. We're not giving the younger generation the ability to actually go out and be Jews in the world. Just practice interior from the interior perspective. So that was the moment that A, made me realize that I have to be active in this world, not just passive. And B, it made me realize that it didn't matter where I was born, grew up, lived in, traveled to, resided in, what passport I have, where my parents or grandparents were born, where my rabbi was born, where his rabbi was born. What mattered was that I was a Jew. So I asked myself, what does it even mean to be a Jew? We're told that Judaism is our religion, right? But I think the word religion, we need to understand, it's not a Hebrew word. It's a word of the goyim. And how do the goyim define this word? Not how we define it, because as Jews, what we define as a religion is this is our identity, our culture, our Torah, our spirituality, our history, our language. That's what we say when we say that Judaism is our religion. Right. But let's understand how the rest of the world defines this word. They define it as a belief system in a God, deity, book, or a prophet. So mm -hmm. if you do not believe in the God, deity, book, or prophet, you're not a part of religion. Hence, a Christian who doesn't believe in Jesus is not a Christian. A Muslim that doesn't believe in Muhammad is not a Muslim. A Buddhist that doesn't believe in the philosophies of Buddha does not identify as a Buddhist. Yet a Jew, even if they don't believe in Torah and in Hashem, although it's a fundamental part of our culture, is still a Jew. And in order to become a Christian, you just accept Jesus and become a Christian within one second. To become a Muslim, you accept Muhammad within one second, you become Muslim. And that's what religions are. They're ideologies that cross over borders and nations that one gets to be a part if they identify with it in the moment or not. Whereas a Jew, even to convert to Judaism, you don't just say, I accept Torah and Hashem. You have to go through years of a process of adopting an identity, a history, a culture, a value system, a tradition, a purpose, all this history and this future that you're passing down. So I don't see Judaism as a religion by how the world defines the word religion, maybe by how Jews misdefine it. But I see Judaism as really the portable suitcase of a native civilization's identity, way of life, spirituality, purpose, role in this world to do 
that we packed up, we called it Judaism in this sort of suitcase. We passed it down Ledovado, generation to generation, with the aspiration of Shanaba Bilshalim. One day we will come back home, revive the suitcase, and be ourselves. Now I think we did a great job in preserving. I think we are starting the path of decolonization, of coming back to our land, reviving the land, making an army, you know, bringing back Jewish things, but we still have much more to go. Our land and our society and our mentality and our spirituality is very much so still colonized. I mean, the fact that we even have Orthodox conservative reform, that comes from the church. Sephardic Jews, Mizrahi Jews, any other Jew outside of Ashkenazi Jews don't have these divisions, right? That's how the church divides itself. So we began dividing ourselves by the frameworks of the societies that we were living amongst. And I think that this next chapter of Jewish history, our generation's turn, is to go through this process of decolonization and to figure out what does a Jew really mean? What is the role of a Jewish people? And actually go and apply that in the real world. Wow. What a very com- comprehensive journey you just took us on. And we really appreciate that because it's something which very much resonates with what we've been doing in the studio of Shalom Morish. And his main focus, and we're going to discuss this a little bit more, is obviously, as you know, is Amunah. That's the key word. Amunah means relationship with God. And that's something which, as a Jew, we have ability as part of our mission. You mentioned the mission of teaching our message, our, our purpose, being part of humanity not just being exclusive to humanity god forbid but to be part of humanity in a unified way that this message should reach the world and for rav Orish, it's very much about amuna and that's why this book universal garden of amuna was a very big uh chiddush, a new idea in the jewish world that we are talking to everyone not just the jewish people we're communicating con- principles that are universal and our books and our language and how we teach torah or understand our journey has to be universal it has to be explained in a universal language which he was ahead of his time we also know if we go further back the chabad rebbe also a big teacher of universal principles and he's helped as we know their movement has done tremendous things globally and i'm sure you've benefited as much as i've benefited from whenever i've traveled or toured i've seen the power of chabad and what they're doing globally but then rav orish who as a breast lover which generally is looked at as a more insular path about a relationship with God, has done the wonder of teaching that in a global level. To the point where Bresov is a very common concept now in the world, maybe not globally yet, but at least amongst the Jewish world, and it slowly is growing globally on our platforms. We see the amount, uh, I think is about half-half in terms of Jews and non-Jews in, in, in the demographics that are involved in our platforms. And that's a big credit to our voice and myself witnessing on the tours his ability to communicate to all kinds of people and to have all kinds of visitors. And they themselves um, say we were in Houston, the majority were not Jewish who visited us. And the ones who spoke with Ravorish were asking Ravorish to help teach them how to build their relationship with God. That's what they wanted to know. They came all the way to ask that. Not that they could get a blessing for wealth or, or uh, you know, all the other things of this world. They wanted to know how they become more connected to God and they knew that he's someone who's a master of that. And it was amazing to w- witness in my own eyes and hear the conversations and to see how the effect he's having on the world, not just on the Jewish people. And that, I think, is a very important point that I, I feel that you're on that path in, in your way. And that's something which is a, a, a connection point between us today. Um, me personally, I, you know, I'm not Rav Orish. I'm just representing him here right now, being I'm holding his book and his teachings and we're in the studio. For me personally, I grew up in the entertainment world and I saw the power of entertainment bringing people together through music and 
that's a big part of my Unity bookings. So all the work I've done years with work with Nissan Black and many other artists and slowly starting to expand that more. As, and we all are together as a group trying to grow the ability for inspirational music to reach the larger world. And so the people who are singing and performing and going and doing entertainment are role models. So that's, that brings us to the, the questions. We have a few questions. I'm going to jump to the question two. We'll get back to the first one later. For Rudy and the Rabbi, too often I see on any pro Amuna Israel, Torah posts, the Free Palestine flag and pre, Free Palestine um, message or even worse, like hate messages, like uh, pictures of Nazis or all kinds of horrible things. I'm not saying they're all connected, but it definitely is that kind of vibe. Um, I saw that your pages, someone wrote to us, that your pages delete them, meaning we're not keeping them on the comments. We don't like them. Are they just trolls? And how do you deal with it? I think the, the larger question uh, beyond just dealing with the side effects of the deeper yeah. problem is why is there a deeper problem? Uh-huh. Why is there anti-Semitism in the first place? Why is there this rejection of the Jewish people? Why is it that when you look at every single group within a society, Every extreme of that group agrees on one thing and that the Jews are the problem. The communists blame the Jews for being the capitalists. The capitalists blame the Jews for being the communists. The far right hates us. The far left hates us. The white supremacists, neo-Nazis hate us. The black supremacists, Farrakhan hates us. It's almost as if you go to every group, you take their extremes, they all agree on one thing and that's the Jews are the problem throughout history and throughout time. Now the question is why? Now some people try to give a logical answer that... You know, we're very successful as Jews, you know, sure. obviously not every Jew, but, you know, compared to other people. But if you look at the recent immigrants within the U.S. that are very successful, you have Koreans, you have Nigerians, and you have Indians. And there's no huge hate movement against those groups for their success like you see for the Jewish people. I mean, in New York City, we make up 13% of the population, and over 56% of the total hate crimes are specifically targeted against Jews. Well, now, you, so other people say, well, we like to separate ourselves. We have our own shuls, our own cemeteries, our own community centers, our own communities, and, you know, so do the Amish, so do some Tibetans, so do Armenians. So, again, that's not enough of a reason to say that this is why but, there's but so much Why hatred. specifically the Free Palestine, Palestine flag, that is the most common symbol of hatred we get. Because people us. today see that the biggest threat to Israel or the biggest war that they're facing yeah. is with the Palestinians, so they're going to latch onto this cause, but really whatever cause would exist, they would go and support. Now, it's not everyone. There's some people who truly care about Palestinians. I do sure. too, because we have a responsibility on every life form in this land, and if we can't talk about tikkun olam and ola goim until we talk about tikkun babayt mabnedodim. Sure. However, I think people are latching on to any movement that they can experience as attacking Israel. Now, the bigger question is, okay, if there's no logical answer of something that we're doing that explains why we're being rejected and hated by all peoples, then the question becomes, what are we not doing? And I think to try to find that answer, I went backwards and said, okay, what is our purpose in this world? What is our mission statement? And it's very clear in the Torah that it says that the Jewish people, besides doing the mitzvot for ourselves to make us the best versions of ourselves, we need to do tikkun olam and ola goim. We need to heal the world from its problems, hatred, jealousy, darkness, disease, whatever it is. And we need to go and empower the other nations in order for them to fulfill their greatest potential because we're all a part of one creation. And so I asked myself, okay, let's say if the world is one body and each nation has its own function system or organ within the body now it's not binary it could be one nation has three functions it could be three nations all share the role of one function it could be a version of many what within the human body does the role of the jewish people what is the role of the jewish people healing the body and allowing the other organs to function 
And I was thinking about this. It can't be the brain because the brain allows the body to function but doesn't heal. Same with the heart, allows the body to function but doesn't heal. So what? And I realized it's the immune system. The immune system's responsibility is to A, heal the body, and B, to, to allow the other body, the body functions to work. And so when the immune system doesn't work within the body, which yeah. I don't think the Jewish people are doing their job in this world, we have so much potential, so much light, so much ability, but we don't do it as a collective, but we don't use Israel as a vehicle to go and achieve that. When we're not being the immune system, the other organs subconsciously are finding a reason to blame us for the cause of the problems. And it's not because we created it, but because subconsciously they realize that we had a responsibility to prevent it. And so if we truly want to end anti-Semitism, we need to understand historically, it only rises when the Jews are disconnected, disempowered, do not know who they are, assimilating, are going against Hashem. That's when anti-Semitism rises. And when the Jewish people are united, empowered, and fulfilling their purpose, that's when anti-Semitism comes down and we overcome the greatest of challenges. So in a certain way, it's like a very honest and transparent look at ourselves, a very authentic evaluation of our journey as a people, rather than pointing fingers at anybody or blaming or, or removing the blame from ourselves that like we are being accountable it's it's but not even to blame it's, it's responsibility well, is the responsibility but no. it seems like when i hear you speak there's a certain strength and pride as well so th this is an interesting balance that mm. you're walking it's not like you're therefore being accountable and saying like you know the torah itself if you look at ravorish he's talking all the time in this book as well we just put it out now about his bodice, the highest level attainable, greater than everything. Why is it so amazing? One of the main reasons is because the whole process of talking to Hashem is facing yourself. That's one of the, the, the secrets and foundations of talking to God is you're actually experiencing yourself in the most intimate, deep level, and you have to take accountability for yourself. That's Cheshpan and Nefesh. That's how all our Jewish yes. holidays are. So that's, We look at the yeah. past, we look at what we went through, we realize the mistakes, and we learn the lessons. And also on a personal level as well. <laughs> and that's the prayer service. It's meant to be that experience of God that we become more elevated and, and we try to attach ourselves back to our mission three times a day or uh, every weekend on Shabbat or we're constantly tuning into the the purpose, tachlis, maasabaracious, what we're here for. And that's, that's what the, the Rav Oresh is trying to remind us through constantly talking to God, we're constantly tuning into our purpose, which is then we're fulfilling our reason d'etre, we're, you know, I hear you're a bit French, so maybe correct it, raison d'etre, we're, we're trying to tune into the, the real reason we're here, and that gives us constantly a, a, an, a, an awakening and a reminder, like the idea of having a mezuzah or a sitzis and all these things we do, to remind us that we have a mission. And it's not, you know, for, for women as well, their, their way of reminding themselves, everybody, it's a, it's a universal journey for all of the Jewish people to constantly be in a state of awareness and purpose. Uh, but it comes, the interesting point is it doesn't make us into like weak schmatters, like, oh, we're so sorry, we're, we're apologizing to everyone. Not at all. To the contrary, we have mm -hmm. a response we fulfill, so let's start doing it. So it's really, once again, it's getting us to be active. That's the point. We named this class True Activism because we want to be, become more active in our role as as all uh, goyim, as it's written in the Torah, a light unto the nations, and that they should rather bring about peace, not war, not hate, hatred, our journey. It should. So what, what, what's the disconnect that it seems that historically, and look, we're not even that far away from a Holocaust. I don't know if your family came from that. My father said, yeah. Yeah, so you, you, know, you know that um, on, a, on a personal level and historical level that wasn't that long ago. And yet 
right now we're experiencing, as you said, it's just different clothing, but it's always coming again and again. Like it says in the Haggadah, you know, the cold <laughs> He's saving us from their hands because every generation we are in a situation of danger. And the question is, how do we now come to this climax? So I think we're at the end of history, in my opinion, and we're at a point where we can actually bring about um, the opposite experience of the Holocaust, where you, the world actually awakens and comes to a higher way of understanding humanity. How do we undo that, like that hatred? I mean, definitely discussing things. I see you doing that. Communication is a big part of it. Do you have any other tools that you're seeing you're making steps forward in this? I mean, we know that in Judaism, there's never one answer. So there's no one answer for that question. But I sure. think, again, we need to find out what our purpose is and to apply it. I don't see Israel just as a, a land that should be our safe place, uh, you know, with these symbols, with the menorah and the Magen David and yeah. the Hebrew, and then it makes us feel like this is enough. It's not enough. We need to create a Jewish system that works for all peoples here. And we need to apply what we're meant to do in this world, which is to spread light. So I see it as the Jewish people are the driver. The land of Israel is the vehicle. We know the destination is Mashiach, which in my person, uh, my opinion is not necessarily just the person, but really an accomplishment of a generation. Yeah, but the way gets, I explained it was an awakening of consciousness. Yeah, and we get the world to wake up from the reality and we bring, yeah. you know, Shammai Manalitz together and we're at one understanding that we're all a part of one, where we were before uh, Gan Eden. So we need to understand it and we need to get to there. And the direction to get to there, I think, is, is in the Torah, right? There are codes. For example, it says that in the times of Mashiach, the tribes of Israel will reunite from the four corners of the earth. Yeah. Answer equals equation. Is, yeah. Now, flip it around. Equation equals answer. Bring the tribes of Israel from the four corners of the earth, and oh. you get a step closer to Mashiach. So that was actually another question. We were never lost. We saw that. Please explain your mission and how it combines with journey of a monitor and unity. So you've already And, and that's the answer. It's yeah. very clear. Now, first of all, I think any Jew that's in need that wants to come back home should be able yeah. to give in that right. You know, imagine if these tribes of Israel had managed to come back home first and we were still suffering in Europe and North Africa and the Middle East and they wouldn't recognize us. So number one, it's the moral thing to do. It's only normal. It's our family members. But number two, we can never really be ourselves without them. And let me explain. You have the Ashkenazi Jews that took a lot of uh, rational intellect and all sorts of stuff. You have Sephardic Jews that took a lot of spirituality and a lot of warmth. And of course, you have that on both sides. But you can see that clearly these two groups took different things and they preserved those things. And you see other groups who who kept other things. And so we started to bring the pieces back into the line of Israel. Now, when you have a puzzle, you need all the pieces in order to do the puzzle. Because if you're missing one or two pieces, then you won't know where some of the pieces go. So or we brought like, uh, the marshal of a safer Torah. If you don't, if you're missing letters, it's not kosher. Nahon, nahon, and exactly. all the souls are connected to the letters. of So the we Sefer brought back Torah. a few pieces. They're standing well, on top of each other. That means we don't have a kosher safer Torah. We, we're missing parts. But that doesn't mean we get rid of it. That means no. we need to fix it. That it means has, we need to bring it back. Still has holiness. Even, even a, 85 letters is the minimum. Nahon. And that's a very small amount. So then most Sefer Torah have holiness of a safer Torah. The problem is they might not be complete. Yeah. So we need to bring these brothers and sisters mm-hmm. of ours from the four corners of the earth back. And this is where the project started, where I realized four years ago, at 24 years old, that uh, I have brothers and sisters in Africa. And when I saw these images of them speaking in Hebrew, wearing tefillin, talking about things, then I did research and I found that they found genetic evidence. They found the Kohen gene in the Lemba in Zimbabwe of the group that specifically function as the Kohenim. 
and they mm-hmm. come from Bayt Rishon, so they still do Kobanot, they still preserved which grasshopper, cricket is kosher, and they show you with this. They The, the, the Shochet can't leave the village for more than a day because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that he never breaks. Uh, they can't drink from a cup from a goy because maybe they, they their lips touch pork. They have all these different rules. They do Brit Milat, eight years old rather than eight days old yeah. because there was a generation where they were being killed and persecuted for being Jewish and one of the ways that the Goim would tell that they were Jewish is if the kids, the babies had circumcision so they changed it to eight years old so that they would be conscious enough to hide it yeah. and they kept the number eight in order to preserve it so these fascinating things and we have no idea about them so the goal of doing this documentary series is to bring these stories back to the consciousness of our generation in order for us to realize that we have a responsibility to bring our brothers and you know what it actually also says it in the Torah what is the, the blessing that Yaakov gives to Yehuda as he gives a blessing to each one of his sons? Yeah. It says you will preserve the scepter, you will preserve Torah, you will preserve the Manchut, and you must protect and give it back to your brothers that will lose it. Now, it's not talking about the brothers at the time. We know they never lost. It is foreshadowing to the tribes that will be displaced. So it's our very responsibility to go and to do this. And I believe when we start bringing those individuals back, those members of Amisal, then we're going to start seeing a very different picture and an expression of who we are in this world. Beautiful. So... I want to now go to a, more, a bit more personal level just because in the end we're all human beings and we do have a personal side and we have struggles and that's part of what we're trying to help these classes with our personal struggles, uh, give us the chizik, the strength. Somebody asked, how does Rudy process the negative comments about your journey, etc.? As we see online, unfortunately, there's always that voice and as well as even maybe even people around and around, like even family, God forbid, or is that there are people I know in my own circles being about tshuva that didn't understand my journey and thought I'd gone crazy. That I want to be in Israel and Yushalayim. I'm in the music world. Why do I have a great life in London? What do I need to leave that for? So there's always that voice of opposition. And uh, we all need chizuk in our generation. That's what they wrote. But the, I just want to ask a little bit deeper, and I hope you don't mind. And if you're not comfortable, it's totally up to you, what you how you respond. But like we've mentioned now, we were never lost. And that is that our actual website, we were never lost. You can check out more information. It's yeah. going to be a documentary series that we'll okay. release when done. We're in production. So right we now. were never lost can be Googled, I suppose, and it will come up information. Yeah. And so eventually the full documentary will look forward to see that. But we're going to hopefully put on the end of this video, our studio team, um, the uh, 15 minute video you made about your experience in Nigeria, just so people who are joining our platform won't have to click on the link to go straight to you they'll straight away see something from your content you don't mind you give permission that's good it'll be part of this video and uh just be maybe a five ten minute extract of it and they should go watch the full thing on your platform but just to give them an an intro so once they're here they're already seeing we want to ask like how like that experience wasn't just negative comments we were actually in prison for a few weeks and i know you've been asked this a lot on media, I saw it all over the place, thank God. And in a positive sense, there was initially the, the very big fear. And I was even in touch with your manager, Aaron, asking about what's going on. So suddenly I saw it went public. And uh, he's an amazing guy, Aaron. And I was asking, you know, what's going on? And it was crazy. And we were all scared, we were all praying. But you were actually there in that experience. That's once again, it's the difference. Like, I'm looking at as someone who's experiencing it. Fine, I live in Yushalayim. I have lots of experiences here also, which are challenging. But not like that. And you were out, in, as you said, before we started the class, on the field. You were doing it. So you're experiencing the difficulty of being in prison and seeing, God forbid, the hatred or the confusion that people were walking around with, the political confusion that they would arrest someone who's done nothing wrong, etc. How do you process your mission with reality sometimes when it seems to be so many obstacles? 
It's so difficult. But the obstacles are beautiful. They're yeah. they're meant to get us to work on ourselves in order oh. to achieve tikkun. They're all a yeah. test. And we realized that the whole entire time. Now, we oh. definitely didn't go through... That was you and your team. Us and the team. We were Amazing. three individuals, me, Noam, and David. Um, we were three weeks in, in prison. The first week, they put us into a cage full of rat feces, human urine, mold everywhere, wow. sleeping on the floor in the dark in a small room. Um, and we didn't have food for the first week, you know, one wow. week only with water. And then they transfer us for the next two weeks to another cage with Boko Haram terrorists as uh, wow. cellmates. So wow. we were with uh, ISIS terrorists, basically, wow. one of which had killed 70 people in a terror attack. Wow. And it was definitely not easy, but there were constant, constant miracles and signs from Hashem. Wow. I mean, nonstop. And the more that you're in tune with them and the more that you realize that this is a test, the better that you'll be and the more that you can overcome. So I think, first of all, the fact that we have obstacles or that people have opposition or people criticize us, we shouldn't see that as something negative. It's an expression of truth, maybe put into the wrong way with the wrong intention, but there is an expression of truth there that makes us have to look within and understand and see how we can do better. Even in this last parasha, Parashat Korach, Eventually, Aaron, Moshe has to send Aaron to be there to show him that I'm going to put myself in front of the people. He has to to put in front of the people. And that was the test for the nation to, you know, go past this chapter of rejection to, to Moshe. So we need to go that. Now, for me, the question I asked always and what I would like to give to people is I think we all have our own individual purpose and also our collective purpose. Now, our individual purpose can evolve, can change, can be many things. But we all have to be in tune with what are the problems that we see. We all have different eyes because the eyes are a reflection of what our souls are trying to communicate sure. to us. And if we see a problem somewhere where someone else doesn't see a problem there, that means that your soul has this drive and this necessity and this tikkun to go and fix that situation. So the problems that I see in my life are A, the rise of anti-Semitism and the fact that we can't you know, live and thrive and survive. B, assimilation of Jews being weak spiritually, physically, ideologically, mentally, psychologically, that we don't know who we are, that we're disconnected from who we are, that we're not fulfilling our purpose. Um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, you know, that we have our own cousins in our land and that we can't find a way sure. to, to fix that. So the lack of vision that we have as, as a country, as a people. Sure. I mean, what, what is the next chapter of Jewish Too history? Too much political infighting, not enough. And the last thing is the vision, tribes of yeah. Israel. So I would say that those five things that I focus on, that I realize that those are the problems that my eyes see currently, I'm sure it, with time it will evolve, yeah. as it has always. Those are the things that I need to go and fulfill. And as long as you're in tune with your purpose and you're open to criticism and you're open to growing and you're open to taking those obstacles, I think that you'll be completely feeling the sense of fulfillment. Well, so I, I personally like relate to very much what you're saying. And I just add one point. I, it was an idea that came to my head. I wrote a book called United Souls. And I thought instead of anti-Semitism, let's change the word and get it, get the concept out there of anti-soulism. Because really, what are they anti? They're anti, like what was Hitler, Machshima? What was he anti? He was anti the consciousness mm -hmm. that we create, the soul energy that we develop. We awaken the soul of humanity and maybe people like Hitler, God forbid, those kind of personalities, they want to push that soul message down. They don't want it to, they don't, they, they reject that. Mm -hmm. And we are messages of the soul. So I was just trying to switch a little bit away from a political terminology to a more spiritual terminology. I think that's what I'm heading towards personally. Like the idea that we have a soul level, you and me are souls, and we were meant to be now talking and discussing this. And the soul level is, is on a global level. And if people would have more awareness of soul, then they could communicate better because they'd understand that there's, as you said, people are, are very complex. And even though on some level they're very simple, there's that, that contradiction all the time with, with life where you have the, the, the larger story and the, the personal story. You have the, 
the yesh, the iron, and the iron. You have the constant, there's something, there's nothing. There's, there's a constant balance going on in the world. And for us personally, we on a soul level can learn to communicate that we connect and we able to look each other's eyes and see there's, there's a soul connection. Like uh, between a soulmate, a husband and wife, there's a soul connection. And that's the eyes meeting. And so too with people. Like when I was in university, I looked into the souls of the people I was in university with and they were human. And it was no longer what religion, what this, what that. And I was friends with everybody. Or when I was in school, public school in London, state school it's called in England, and I was friends with everyone. They were my friends. The Jewish thing here and there would come up that someone from outside would say, oh, you're a Jew and be anti-Semitic. But um, when I was in the actual reality of daily life, I was a soul communicating to everybody. And I felt that throughout my journey until I'm here. I needed to come back to my roots. That's why I'm in Jerusalem and Torah and learning by Ravorish. But I needed to, and other Siddiquim, other Rabbonim, and learning from you now as well. Um, but there was, there was something that the soul level was drawing me. And that's what I'd like people to just know with you as well, that it's not a totally political equation. Like it, it's, there's, there's more, there's so much to humanity. It's like a metaphysical one. Yeah. What do people want? Like, what are they wanting? Why are they fighting over land and fighting over, you know, power? Why is there this power struggle? Like if you go online and you see there's all these conspiracy theories and then there's all this right wing and left wing and, there's, there's so much discussion going back and forth and, you know, between religion and not religion. And it's, it's, it's very painful to look. If you're a person looking for unity, it can be very, um, a, a big, you know, like, wow, like this is overwhelming. So how do we, what, what are actual practical steps? Because remember, we want to be active. I'm talking on spiritual, but Rav Oresh is guiding us how practically to do that spiritually. And that's what these books are about and the teachings and what we do here with the music and the energy we're trying to generate. But how would you say in your way and the fact of all the people you're experiencing, what are the practical steps that you can encourage people, not only just to pray for all people, because that's a big campaign the Rav is pushing us to bring unity through prayer, but also on a daily life level, like how do we communicate to people online, posting, you know, when we're doing business, how, how are you able to break through those barriers that are causing all this strife that you mentioned before? Well, to talk specifically about communication, I think that mm. we need to understand when we're communicating with someone, it's not about proving them wrong and you're right. Yeah. It's about extending their ability to understand truth through their own language that will include the truth that you have. Amazing. And I think that's a key of communication with any relationship, right? When you speak to a parent, to a sibling, to a child, to a, a partner, to a friend, to a business partner, to you have to understand the traumas that they have, the things that they already see to be true, you know, how they speak, what they look, what they like, what they don't, where are their red lines. And once you understand how they communicate and their language that they speak, not just the English, Hebrew, you know, French, what I'm saying, the language of how they see the world then you're able to give your message in a better way in order for them to actually comprehend it. And the yeah. point is not just to regurgitate the information you have, because for that you can go to the mirror. The sure. point is to actually be able to go and to speak to their neshama. And to speak to the neshama, you have to also understand where are the problems that exist within them, what are the things that they already see to be true that you can create a parallel in order for it to be much easier understood. And so that's the way. And I think that when it comes to communication, each person is different. When I'm engaging someone in a debate, I don't know where they stand. Sure. I don't know what their opinions are. So before I really go into it, I try to study them. I try to hear them. I'm listening wow. all the time. Wow. I'm asking questions to figure out where it is. I can I can share a story with you. Yes, please. When I was a student at Columbia, 
Uh, I went there specifically because it was listed the number one most anti-Semitic school in North America. Amazing. And so I decided to go there and I created a group yeah. for Israel that wasn't right-wing, left-wing, one-state, two-state. It wasn't a political thing. Uh, right. Our goal was to empower the Jewish students and allies to narrate the story of Israel and the Jewish people and to defend and protect us from all things and wow. to give us the tools. Now, my first semester at uh, Columbia, I was forced to take a class. Everyone has to take it called University Studies. And it's this class that teaches you how to study, which the teacher to email, the library to use, the advisors, and it's twice a week, two hours each, four hours in total. Mandatory, you don't get a grade, it's pass or fail based on attendance. Wow. And you know, I'm realizing this is a huge waste of my time, I have more important things to do. Yeah. And you know, for Israelis, the line starts in the beginning, not at the end. <laughs> so, right away in my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And um, I'm sitting in a class and I sign in my name. And right above my name is a very Jewish name. I'm not going to say his name. He doesn't like that I say his name, but let's let's use a similar one, David Cohen. And I noticed that the person sitting here, I passed the sheet over. I'm like, hey, David, are you Jewish? Yeah. And he says, yeah, so. And I'm like, no, no, don't worry. It's okay. I'm Jewish too. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I have a deal for you. I'm going to sign you in one class. You're going to sign me in one class. And we cut 50% of these classes. Yeah. And eventually we found someone to sign us in every day. And we never came to that class again. And from that, we became friends. Yeah. And one day I'm sitting with him. And he's like, you know, Rudy, why did you come to Columbia? So listen, I came here to create a movement that empowers the Jewish people, that sparks, you know, inspiration to all Jews around the world, all Jews on different campuses that are having hard times, True. and to create a model of success in the I darkest of places. 20 years, 24 years ago, Nahum. even then. So yeah. as soon as I tell him the word Israel, his face changes, and he says, listen, Rudy, I like you as a person, but I'm not a fan of the apartheid, the genocide, the ethnic cleansing, all the trigger words pouring out. And before I went back and get in debate mode and challenging mode, I would say, okay, let's take a few steps back. Tell me your story. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? You know, your parents, your grandparents. And he's like, oh, I was born in the Bay Area. I'm like, okay, that makes sense already. But before that, and he says, before that, we were in the Soviet Union, in Georgia, Ukraine, wow. in Russia. And I was like, okay, and before that? He says, what do you mean before that? I was like, before the Soviet Union, where were Jews from? He's like, no, we were probably Russians and Georgians that converted to Judaism. It's like, you mean to tell me that in the so time like, we're practicing Judaism, doing a Brit Milah yeah. would cause you the penalty of death that hundreds of thousands of people are converting to Judaism, yeah. let alone if you trace the DNA of Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, it's Middle Eastern, yeah, let alone yeah. if you trace the linguistic history of Yiddish, right, which is a Creole of Hebrew and German, and the yeah. Yiddish being spoken in Russia is a mix of Hebrew, German, and Russian. As population moved, they yeah, added sure. on words with the time. And I'm telling him all these things, and he's realizing, whoa, I'm actually from Israel. And he had never really understood and grasped that concept. And it took a little bit of time. He came to some of the events. Mm -hmm. At first he said, don't put me in any of the pictures. I have all my anti-Israel friends. I don't want them to know. Sure. Came to one event, two events, three events. And after a year being in our, in our group, he eventually decided to start putting tefillin, start eating kosher, uh, mm -hmm. move to Israel, join the army. So within one year, we took a person from, I reject Israel and I side with all those that are currently oppressing mm -hmm. Israel to, I'm going to be on the front lines. And the answer to finding the tikkun, the point is not to get someone to join the army. Yeah? The point is to find someone to really connect with their purpose and reconnect with their people. And again, the only way to do and to give the answer is to know the question. And everyone has a different problem, a different issue within them. And if yeah. you're engaging with someone, your your goal is to seek the, the, the truth within them and to provide them more truth. Well, I'm glad you really explained that beautifully because on a personal level, that was my journey. Also, why am I a Jew? That was, it started with a question. Yeah. Why am I Jew? Why are my friends Jewish? What does it mean when I went to state schools and majority of my other friends were not Jewish and yet I always kept being drawn towards my own people, my land, and I didn't know where it was coming from. That was the question, burning question. So I had to come here and find out. Once I came, you know, I was overwhelmed with the, with the availability of wisdom and learning and growth. 
But now I'm here, I'm firstly now to get that global. It shouldn't just stay here in Yushalayim. It says, It has to go out from Yushalayim. It doesn't say stay here. If it stays here, that's a mistake. That's, then we're welcoming, like you said at the beginning part, we're welcoming that we're not doing our mission and therefore we'll, we'll turn into anti-Semitism. They'll be angry with us for us not doing our mission. Uh-huh. So they're like are waiting for us. And I see from the feedback on our, every time Rav Oresh does something, I see the fee- positive feedback, how much they love and they appreciate because that's us doing our mission. And then people in the world are like, yeah, now we can access something that's truthful and not just all this entertainment and other stuff that sort of distract us also as a world from what we're meant to be doing. Because the world, as much as entertainment is needed on some level, but there also needs to be content that's truthful and so people can have values and know what their life's about, what purpose they have, their meaning and how to guide, even politically, how to have policy. You know, the lack of meaning and lack of values is is one of the main causes right now of so much so much dysfunctionality going on and people are confused. We're coming from a place, both yeah. of us, of Emunah. So yeah. it's very clear to us. But yeah. for those who don't have Emunah and sure. don't believe in Hashem and the Torah yet, sure. right, they, are, they need to be given a little bit more of a factual explanation. And the reality yeah. is that That's throughout true. Jewish history, no matter when we were divided, disempowered, and sinning against Hashem, going against each other, that is always when the worst chapters of Jewish history started. And whenever the Jews are united, empowered, and fulfilling their purpose, that's when we are able to overcome the greatest of obstacles. So it's very mm-hmm. clear that if you want to change the outcome within the equation, you have to put an input that works. And if you keep putting the input that doesn't work, then you're going to get the same result. But what's pushing you to go out and do it? Because like I said, there's, I'm trying to do it from a studio or here and now, send an act or a speaker, even yourself. I'd love to help assist you, get you more out there. But what is pushing you to want to go out and active you went to Colombia of all places yeah and if we go through your thing you've been traveling so much over the last you know how many years I mean your whole life it seems like it's been one big journey and it's been a global journey what is pushing you to be so available on a on a global level what what is it not just the um, ability to get your message out of what is there must be something more inside of you like with that we can all get a little bit of inspiration from to be less focused on our own you know little Dalai as they say in Hebrew, our own courtyard. The reality is that our souls were brought into the vessel that we're here in order to fulfill a purpose. And everyone has their own purpose, and mm. I've been in tune with mine. And I am very lucky to have realized that purpose already at the age of seven, mm. which obviously has grown and evolved with time. But everyone has to find their purpose. and I so think It might not be for everyone to go out as much, obviously. Ev- well, everyone has their own way. Right? Someone who needs to save the planet online, with, the, with the pollution. Someone Does it work to, online? It, it, it works wherever there's darkness, yeah. there's light to go and be created. And every Jew has the ability to create light. They all have that spark. And you know, non-Jews also have an ability to create light. Sure. We're all a part of one creation. 100% but the Jews it. said that we yeah. take the responsibility to do this as a collective. And so we're doing it as individuals. You see the Einsteins, the Freuds, the you know, yeah. individuals making great uh, inventions. Even yeah. Facebook, the guy might not be connected to not his Judaism, but he has so much ability to create something that has created global and impact. you'd be surprised when you hear him interviewed by someone intelligent like Lex Friedman or Tim Ferriss. You see they bring out that he's learning the Torah. He, he sees himself. Um, I've talked about it in my class about Misa Beratius and that he's also a creator on a certain level. Like God made us in the image of Matt of... Sorry, God made us in the image of God, and man is in the image of God, so therefore we're also creators on a certain level. So he sees everything he's doing as just part of God's creation. Uh-huh. He does have that foundation, and he talks about it publicly on recent interviews. It's not like he's hiding his Jewishness. No, for sure. So 
He was also an API, yeah. the Jewish fraternity that I was a part of. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But uh, the point is that we're doing it as individuals. We're not doing it as a collective. Mm. Right? And we need to unite all these different pieces and do it as one collective. Now, for me, I ask more of the question, like, how are other people not doing this? Because I know that if, we, if I don't do this, then the future of the Jewish people is at risk. The future of my children that one day Bezat Hashem will bring to this world that Amen. will be healthy and strong and able to continue Amen. spreading light. Amen. They'll have a worse life. So it's, it becomes a responsibility. When you see someone crossing the street, that they have their headphones on their, on their ears and they're not paying attention to traffic and there's a truck driving by and you can just grab them and pull them back. Yeah. The fact that you have the ability to do that becomes a responsibility. Sure. So I think it's all about having the perspective and ability to see. And once you see, it becomes a responsibility. I see it as... Not many people have their eyes open and even fewer keep them open. Well, so it's also, in a way, waking people up to their responsibility to, to humanity, to themselves. It's really the, the, the key, as they always say, Chabadniks always say, you know, and Rav Oresh for sure says, we have to be besimcha, be joyous. But one of the ways to become joyous is by caring about other people. If we're totally consumed of our own day-in, day-out grind, we're missing the key to happiness, which is to be a giving person. So, so even in a way, it's it's part of our own fulfillment as well to be a happy person in this world. So I'll tell you something else. Yeah. Also, I'll share another personal story that I haven't talked about much. Sure. Um, after the army, I left to LA for a year. I started school at UCLA and SMC, and then I took a year off to travel Asia, and then I transferred to Colombia. But while I was in Asia, I spent a month in India, and I went to Jaipur, which is the pink city, and it's a beautiful place with its history. And there was the rickshaw tuk-tuk driver that was taking me around mm-hmm. and explaining to me, you know, this is the story of this place and the story. Yeah. And I really connected with the guy. Nice. And I asked him, you know, where, where do you live? And he told me the name of a place. And I said, what is that? And he said, do you ever see the movie Slumdog Millionaire? I live in the slums. Wow. And I said, well, can you take me? I want to see what that's like. Yeah. And he takes me and I eat, you know, dinner with his family. I could only eat some canned vegetables because yeah. obviously I keep kosher when I'm abroad. And I told them before in order to get some food. Sure. And I'm sitting with him and I say, I, I realize he's living in a, a small shack with a tin roof on his head. His kids have two left foot shoes. One of them doesn't have a pair of shoes. Wow. And he has so little items. And, I'm, and I asked him, you know, can I spend a few days living with you? Ended up staying with him for a good five, six days. Uh, sleeping with him, like the whole family and seeing how they live their lives. And I just couldn't understand why he's so happy. You know, of course, I only wish him the best and it's amazing, but this guy's always happy. And I asked him, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to find it offensive. I'm not trying to take away. I only want to give more, but I want to understand in order to take it for myself too. How are you so happy with the limited things that you have? And he said, most people are looking and chasing for happiness from the things that they still have to obtain, the items that they still want to get. And I get my happiness from the things that I already have. The person that's a billionaire has all the the wealth and material that loses his vision, would give everything to be able to see again. A woman that becomes paralyzed, unfortunately, would give everything again in order to be able to walk. The person that loses his family, in a car accident, would give everything back in order. And he said, you know what? I have all those things. So I'm actually the richest person in the world. And I think that's just such a beautiful perspective of not only reaching out for more, but also understanding the blessings that you have. And that's really what I focus on when I put food in and I meditate in the morning is on all the blessings that I have and also what is my purpose well, for Hashem look, to give I'm me as much strength. You, I'm going to be giving you these books. It's all about that. The wonders of gratitude and, uh, you know, you're welcome to take them. Of course. And if you have time to read them, if not, share them out to your, whoever your friends are. It's English, uh, French. 
Hebrew, I'll give you a few different languages. I know you speak all three, is that yes. correct? You speak Spanish as well? I understand Spanish. Because we have, thank God, a very very pumping Spanish department here as well, which one day would be nice to see if maybe we want to try other languages and connect to Rav Oroshri that way and what he's doing here. One of the, the big points of Rav Oresh that I see, and I see that a responsibility myself, and I see that it's happening, you know, you're, you're living this as well in your way, is there's this contradiction. You mentioned about, you know, the happiness and being Samech Bahelko, that's in the Hebrew way of explaining it, of being happy with your lot. But there's also that contradiction again, that as much as you're happy with what you have and what, you know, that is that key to happiness, but you're, that doesn't take away from a tremendous rots and a will to get your mission done. It doesn't, that contradiction doesn't weaken one, one neither, neither weaken the other. The happiness is, is a tool or is a reality to give you the ability to, to be in the right state of mind to then do your mission. But your mission is really the inner energy and the force. Like you see with Rav Oresh, I, I'm always still trying to learn from him. I don't know if I've truly understood how he is the way he is, but if you've seen any of his classes online or anything, his smile, his joy, his energy, his simcha, his happiness, teaching people to, to be happy with their lot. And yet when I see his rotson, he right now he's just having trouble speak, and that's one of the reasons why he's not here in the class, but he's still speaking in, in Hebrew and Spanish. Those classes, for, because it's later on, it works out, his schedule, whatever, well, the people there are a bit more pushy than I am, but they're making it happen, and he comes and speaks. But you see he's struggling, and you see that, what's pushing him behind everything is his will to influence and help people and give them advice and connect with people. Uh, even in a sick state, he'd want to still travel. And the, the pain it's created inside of him, that he's not able to then influence as much as he wants to. And that uh, human need to give and to influence is such a powerful, it's, it seems so at odds with the Bissamech Bahalka, but it's not. It, well, they work together. And I think that, you know, I'm seeing with you like a lot of Ritzonis, a will, a tremendous will, like to the point where it's it's over everything you're doing is this will to influence. And then at the same time, you've still got the healthy, you know, balance of Yishavadas, of happiness, and that, that it doesn't create that, you know, because some people in activism, and I see that in the world now, they've sort of lost their way. They're not grounded people. They're not healthy. Their lifestyle's not healthy. They're... They don't look good or they're not acting good. There's their quick um, acting, you know, doing acts of crime to justify the activism and to, to push forth the activism. Like from what I'm seeing, thank God, you know, that your way is legal and healthy and it's, it's, uh, it's hasn't overwhelmed the values that you're doing your journey with. And that's a big compliment. And I think a lot of activists, types of person could learn from that. Yeah, so uh, it's not just a message to to people to become more active, but that those who are should also learn to do it right. Yeah, yeah. again, it, it becomes you go back to the to yeah. the beginning of what is your purpose. Once you figure that out, be open to its evolution and have the will to go into make that change in this world. But I think also when you have full of muna, you get yeah. rid of fear. You know, a lot oh. of people ask me when you were in Africa, were you yeah, afraid? Fear, and I was like, I don't know what 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 this means being afraid to me i got rid of that when i was seven years old when no. i was afraid when my mom and i were attacked on that bus and i realized i'm going to get rid of this emotion mm. of course i recognize when there are problems Such and when there are dangerous age, things i'm going to get rid of this because everything in front of me is a test and as long as i do the best thing the right thing even if it's the hardest thing to do then hashem will protect me 
And I always look at life, the decision I have in front of me, even if it's very difficult to do, very uncomfortable, whatever it is, painful even, in 20 years from now, will I look back and be proud or will I look back and regret my choice? And you have to always make the choice that you'll be proud of yourself and fulfilled. Amazing. So we're going to um, round off the class just to say that what we've discussed is personally very meaningful for me. And I hope you listeners and hopefully not just listeners, you'll become more active with your listening, that it should not only be listening externally and wow, that's a cool guy, but actually how can I now you're challenging them to also be active and represent and do their mission. Um, the Instagram to reach out to for Rudy is Rudy underscore Israel. Now, let me ask the Israel part of your Instagram. Is that a hint that your name is Yisrael? Yes. Okay, amazing. So we have a, uh, a special Yid in our studio. is called Yisrael. He's representing the Yeshish and Rebbe Associates of the Torah, all the Nishamas of Christ. So we talked about the, the Sefer Torah. You have within you that soul level that's Kola, all the souls. So it makes sense in a way. You're like living up to your name, uh-huh. which is a, a little... Hint of what our mission is, is a lot of, well, not a little hint, a big hint. Let me give you a little bit more. First of all, my Hebrew name is Israel Ben Meir Levi. Israel is wrestling with Hashem in order to grow. The struggle, yeah. Ben Meir, like I'm fascinated by creating light. Alevi is a tribe that's supposed to communicate and bring vibrations and frequencies to the world and to the Jews to be able to be more in tune. Now, my English name is Rudy. Why did my parents name me Rudy? Because this is the story of a Jew that during the Holocaust fought back against yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, it's a German name, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It I have back. a family member who's from Germany. Yeah, he was, born, he was born in yeah. Berlin. He fought back against the Nazis. And at the end of the war was able to take a lot of Jewish orphans and bring them back to the land wow. of Israel. Wow. Which, if you look at that, my name is exactly the person that I became. Amazing. So names definitely have power. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm named after Avdeslo, if you've heard of him, Reveli Oliezer. And he was a big Bar Shava, someone we can learn from as well. Did tremendous things for the Yemenite Jews here. If you look at the history, um, he was part of Pi'ilot and that organization. And he also wasn't really interested in this world, like in the physical attainments. He was looking for a bigger mission. And that's something, you know, we can definitely go back into the history of our name and who we are. Everyone should do that. Think about a little bit more who, who you're named after. Maybe it's a big uh, gu- a guiding sign and flagpost towards what you're meant to be doing. But also, once again, the press over there, so it brings us back just before we end off the class. To mind everyone, we do have a new booklet, Meeting with the King. I think it's spotted us. You, we can all attest how important it is. I'm sure when you were in those, some of those difficult situations, talking to Hashem was just natural. You know, it's part of the reality. You know what's the one item yeah. that we managed to hide and bring with us? What? Yes. Tefillin? Amazing. Every morning we put tefillin. Tefillin, amazing. And I, I know myself, I see, I have a son who's, you know, please God, another week or two, will be joining the army. Um, we wish him success. It's my first of my children to do such a thing, and I, I'm a little bit nervous, but at the same time, I'm proud of him, and that I know he will do in the army. He puts fill on every day, because I've seen no matter what's going on in his life, he's learning to fill in, and that's, that's, that's something which we should keep binding ourselves to God, and that's the key to give us that, tuning ourselves back into the message of what we're here. We re- we're going to please God give uh, Rudy about 10 of these books or so in different languages. It's a big segula the Rav holds that by giving 10 of the books, it gives you the ability now to share. And that's a big part of his mission. And also we're going to be giving a bunch of pamphlets if he's interested. And we're always offering our amunalive.com website where we put this class up live weekly as well as my own. And also the link to partner and breslev.com is the general link for all the articles and all the latest classes in English, as well as we'll give you a link to all the other languages as well, because it's the same website in essence to all the other 
languages of Ravorish. And please, God, we're going to keep praying that he'll be back here so we can have wonderful guests like Rudy join the Rav himself and his holiness. I apologize again to our viewers that I'm not on his level, but we're doing his mission. He's given us that opportunity. And I think we covered amazing topics. You're happy? Everything's good? Amazing. So we're rounding off the cast. We're not sure who's going to be our next guest. We've been talking to Lachaim OG, Adam Stodmeyer, Nissan mentioned he could get hold of him. He's in the country. Baruch Hashem, Judah Michelle, never giving up and bring him. Judah, you're listening. Come to the class already. Um, so we have wonderful people. Rudy's definitely one of the big highlights. It means a lot. We usually have music, so we end off with a song or something. But I think that the the key is that the the message, the the energy should be there. And if you have a song, what's your favorite song right now? I mean, right now I'm listening to a lot of different types of music and I yeah. usually try to connect to the music of the region that I'm going to. Yeah. So I'm listening to a lot of Afrobeats and I'm a piano because I'm in Africa. You're heading there soon. Yeah. I mean, we've this whole year we've been to Nigeria, Tanzania, Uganda, no, Zimbabwe, South Africa. Yeah. In July we're going again. I can't say yet where we go because okay. we always talk about it after. I understand, I understand. Uh, but no, there is no fear. There, it was a reason Amazing. why this happened to us. Yeah. And it was a test and we overcame it and we need to continue. Amazing. So we're uh, more African style music. Is there any specific names anyone should check out? No, I think if you check out Afrobeats and uh, I'm a piano, it's very interesting new sounds coming from Africa that I'm Amazing. trying to connect to the vibrations of what they themselves experience that when I get there, I understand more of Is uh, it connected? Energy. I have seen an awakening of hip-hop artists from Nigeria. Yeah, I mean... That, the, look, are they bringing that energy The majority yeah. of music in Africa is coming yeah. from Nigeria and the majority of Nigerian musicians are Igbo, which is wow. the tribe of God. And they're, they're rapping about some of these concepts? Some, maybe? yeah, some no. I mean, you find Jews, <laughs> everywhere, yeah. Jews everywhere that are connected and disconnected. It's a challenge to keep that commercial but, message. But they have the spark. They have yeah. the ability to create. That's the key. I got it. The, the, the creative spark is there, and let's hope that Rudy will be a light unto the nations, himself and his team, to be blessed with success. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us. Check out at Rudy underscore Israel or Rudy Rochman generally on all other platforms. And a big honor to have him. Let's keep sharing Amuna Global. You know where to find us. You know where all the Rav's books are. Would you just say a very, very quick message? Because uh, the studio did ask me before, we just as the end of the class, um, you choose whichever book language you want, English, French, Spanish. English is easiest for me. English. So we have English here. He's going to do a little message. You can say it in English. And if you could just end off a little bit of Hebrew, because they have, they'll put it onto the Hebrew platform as well. Yeah, so I definitely look forward to reading this book, The Universal Garden of Imuna. Um, and there's two words here that really catch my attention it's imuna and universal right imuna is for your belief for within interior and then universal is exterior and you know of cook talks about how there's three versions of a jew jew have like three parts they have the uh spiritual connection there's the nationalist connection and then there's the universal connection and we have to really obtain all and we see a lot of kiruv towards the national element a lot of kiruv towards the spiritual element but we also need to understand that we need to put that all together and apply externally. And I hope Amazing. that this is what uh, is going to be That's here. That's what we're aiming towards. Universal and, uh, message. That nahon. everyone can connect with. And I look forward. Bevrit. Bevrit is a sefer ששמעתי נהדר. יש לו מלא חוכמה, מלא אור. ואני רוצה לקרוא אותו כמה שיותר מהר. ולהבין יותר דעות של אנשים אחרים שגם חושבים באותו צורה. על אמונה ועל להביא את זה גם לעולם, לא רק בפנים. And Bezat Hashem, Pama Ba, Ledaber, Ledaber, Okay, Tada, thank you everyone. We just had a little bit of Hebrew for our Hebrew friends. They're going to transfer it there. And 
everyone be blessed with an active week of truth. This is the time. Let's not get sad as the summer months come and tissue above all those times. Let's turn it around to Gula. And that's the, the will of the Siddiquim, the will of the of Hashem Yisbarach, and all of Kleisra and all the world come to its Tikkun and we'll be there together. Rudy will be leading the way. Yisrael, all the way. Amen. Amen. We didn't Thank know you. anything going on in the world. We didn't have any means of communication. We didn't understand why we were there. They basically treated us like animals. The words written there were, Dear God, please allow me to experience happiness one more time during my life. We became the story and that was absolutely never our intention. My name is Rudy Rockman. I'm a Jewish and Israel rights activist, and I'm also the executive producer and host of the We Were Never Lost documentary series. It's a series that is set to tell the stories, struggles, and aspirations of lesser known or disconnected communities of Jews around the world. Our first season is to take place in Africa, and we were just in Nigeria filming our first episode. Unfortunately, after two days, we were illegally held by the Nigerian government's internal security service and held in cages for three weeks. We're here to set the record straight of what we went through and what actually happened. My name is David Benaim. I'm a journalist and I'm a field producer and producer on the We Were Never Lost series. I'm Noam Liebman of Kavanaugh Films and the creative director for We Were Never Lost. So first you may need a bit of context to understand who the Igbos are and why we went to Nigeria in the first place. Now, the Igbo people are a people with a rich history, diversity, and a lot of culture, and have very similar experiences that other Jewish communities have had around the world that are known in the mainstream, whether it's through persecution or overcoming challenges. They believe to be descendants of a tribe of Israel, specifically of Gad. There is a large community within the Igbo population that has either preserved elements of their Jewish culture, their Jewish heritage, or has come back to their Jewish culture and heritage. And some of them are even now second generation born where all they know is being Jewish. And we were coming to Nigeria to document specifically their stories. Where do they come from? What have they experienced? What is their history? What are their aspirations? What are their culture? Do they want to stay living in Nigeria? Do they want to come back to Israel? What is their story? And that's why we came to Nigeria. Yes, you're invited. <laughs> now this is a small one. So we're good. We're here in the class 76 in our Amuna studio of Rav Sholem Arishlita. We had the pleasure to have the first time ever I'm meeting him and in our holy location in Jerusalem, Rudy Rochman is in the house or in the studio. Say hello. Shalom everyone. I'm so happy to be here and the honor is all mine. Yeah, wow, we feel it, and it was very, very exciting, like watching the journey, seeing him get here, and it's happened in a real way, in a real time, and it's all meant to be exactly when it's supposed to be, Rudy was saying himself on the phone, and that's the kind of focus we have in our Munna class, it's all about Munna and tuning in to the 
times and the places that we are all together in. So the focus of today's class, we welcome is truth and unity, and it's an activism vibe. It's not an advocate, he explained to me, and we'll get into that. It's going to be a lot of amazing discussions, and hopefully it will generate some real activism from all of you guys listening, because that's something which is the most important part of our class. We don't want you to just listen or watch or touch base or share a little bit. We want you to actually have a change, a flow that brings about real positive change in your life and can impact your daily life. We welcome all our guests of the Holy Land, especially Rudy. Um, are you from here originally? I think all, we're all from here originally, oh. but I was born in France and grew up in the U.S., but I live in Israel now. Amazing. So that's the beautiful answer, the, the kind of focus we want. We're all from here. Get that. Internalize that. We're all from this holy land. We welcome him and we wish him success. We dedicate this class to his success. We're one of his advocates. Let's maybe, let's see if we can go up a step. We'll get that clearer as the class goes on to become active as well. We want to be healing all forms of Corona. And before Shlema, I had the pleasure to just come back from Amsterdam. There was not a mention of Corona, nothing. Amazing. No masks, no checking anything. It was, thank God, a whole new world, even though really that's how life used to be a few years ago. But this is a big step forward. And if people are hearing that it's coming back, let's hope that's not true. And it will be a good riddance to Corona. These classes are for the elevation to the pure soul, Gedalia's son. I don't know if you know Gedalia Fenster, but his son passed away. And we're dedicating this class, Yerachim Adonai Ben Gedalia. We appreciate your dedication to our Muna class, to the Rav's teachings. We wish everyone a good week. We're finally finishing off Sivan and getting to the new month of Chodesh Tamas. Wish everyone a good Chodesh. And we do have a special campaign this Chodesh, this Wednesday, Thursday. The Rav's going to be praying for you by the Kever of Yosef Asadik. And you can send us names. I'm just mentioning it now, but it's on all our platforms. Check it out. And the main tagline of this class is sharing Amuna Global and bringing some more unity to our world. Amen. Okay, let's go. Um, the first feedback. We're going to just do a lot of feedback and then we'll get into our wonderful guest, Rudy Rachman. Okay, someone wrote, amazing. They were saying how, thank you. If anyone can change this anger and violence in the world, it's you. They were talking about Nissen Black last week's class. Thank you for being an epitome of love and kindness. You can bring all the people to a new way of thinking. Nissen Black's new flow. Thank you again. Thank you so much. This is quite the breast of message, Baruch Hashem. Someone else wrote, purpose is everything. <laughs> this is a funny comment. Heal the elder. Conjurums realized. He was talking about Psalm 100. We're meant to say it eight times a day. So they wrote, everyone should say eight times a day, Nana Nachma Mu'uman. It's good to have a little bit of comedy. Uh, maybe they're being serious, but for me, it makes me laugh. Okay, we- weekly Ellie Goldsmith class. That was on my class. Baruch Hashem, Shalom Rabbi from Mexico. Thank God this is a global class. So you see people from all the world are reaching out. Shalom Rabbi from Sydney, Australia. Shalom Bayat Uba'ala, someone wrote on one of our pictures, getting ev- everyone ready for Shabbat. Someone else wrote on Nissen Black's class on another platform. I really enjoy Nissen Black's songs. The lyrics are very touching and real. It was very inspiring to hear how he's sharing his talents and spreading light through various platforms, wishing him much success and more blessings. Here's the suggestion for a song title, Never Gave Up Being Better. Okay, interesting. Well, maybe we'll pass it on, maybe not. Brilliant combo. 
someone wrote because just the two of us unfortunately we have dino god is not here again he's still unwell from his accident we dedicate again a class to shalom um, elchan and shalom ben shoshana Bela. should have a full recovery very sad that he uh unfortunately he's not making a second class so we're going to keep praying and we'll see him soon please god but someone wrote amen 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 great class ellie shkoyach that's from yosef daniel and someone else from germany wrote that weekly amuna class thank you for your prayers for successful trip to amsterdam yes i had a wonderful trip and i appreciate everyone who reached out and wished me success with that because it was a success and i'm happy to be back in the holy land meshem bless the rabbi rav shonamorish thank you so much javer actually javer which i suppose is a uh, spanish or maybe even Portuguese, excited for Rudy's class. Love this Breslov meeting Rudy. So that was the feedback so far over the previous week. There was a lot more as well, but this for now. Thank you, Hashem, for everything you give us. We're here together in our studio. Thank you for these classes. And let's go ahead together. We apologize again, Rav Shalom Marsh still is not here. Also, we dedicate the class to his full recovery of Shalom Ben Yemna. But thank God we have a guest who's got amazing energy, a lot of wisdom and a lot of advice on how to be active and get things moving in the world nowadays especially with all the struggles people are going through so let's go to rudy rochman we'll just do a tiny intro i see here rudy rock was born and we mentioned before in france and he's growing grew up all around the world now rather than me read out this long list maybe you'll do the full justice but i can just say for me personally watching you on on your platforms and seeing you in action and seeing you thank god meeting up with amazing souls and also all kinds of controversial people as well difficult people you have an ability to communicate that everyone out there could learn from it makes me think a little bit of ben shapiro but you're actually going out there he's sitting in his studio you're active on those on the streets and it's amazing i mean i've seen you in in israel bringing palestinians together i've seen you in america and going to the un building and talking to everyone over there and i mean you'll have to give a better description because you're the one doing it but to me it's an honor to have someone who's not scared of the political division and political divide and a political conversation and we try not to be so involved with politics so our focus here is the conversation that brings us to a more unified place so please let's go ahead and you lead the way now well, I think we need to start from the beginning because I think everyone's journey starts at a starting spot. Sure. Um, for me, what led me to achieve what I've achieved and to still do all the things that I have to do uh, was a moment of anti-Semitism, actually. So, to back up, I was born in France, moved to Israel when I was three, then to Miami when I was five. My grandparents were all born in different countries on my mother's side of the family. They were born in uh, Morocco and Algeria on my father's side of the family. They were born in Poland and Belgium. And I realized growing up that, hold up, when we were in Morocco, we weren't Moroccan, we were Jews, and we were kicked out for not being Moroccan. When we were in Poland, we were Jews, we were kicked out from Poland for not being Polish. And same thing for Jews in Russia, and in Ethiopia, and in Germany, and Yemen, and in all the places that we lived in. So why now that we've been displaced from those places, do we now identify as that is our origins? It is an experience that we had, that is valuable, that we learned from, that we gave back to, but it's an experience amongst many other experiences. And the origins of really where we are is from Israel. So how did I get to this conclusion? Now, when I got to Miami at the age of five, uh, I would say Miami is the most un-American place in the entirety of the U.S. where no one identifies as American. You're Argentinian, Venezuelan, Colombian, Haitian, Jamaican. And so growing up, I was always labeled the French kid. Yes. And... Uh, we have a little bit of uh, yeah, yeah, sound. Yeah, sure, sure. 
uh, growing up being labeled as the French kid, although never feeling as I'm French, um, I realized that, hold up, this is not the country of origin where I'm from, because when I'd go back to France to visit my cousins, I was labeled the American cousin. And then I'm also connected to Israel, and then I'm also Jewish, and then I'm also a Levite, and then also all these different identities. And there was something that happened to me that really changed my life. And I think often for people who become active in whatever space that they do or create light and where they create light, there's usually a, a precipitating factor, something that happens first. And for me, it was a moment of anti-Semitism in London. I was uh, seven years old. I took a trip to to uh, the main city and we took the red tour bus that does the tour of London. And my mom <laughs> was wearing a shirt in Hebrew that said Emet. And I think that word is also very relevant to what eventually happens. And we got onto the red tour bus and the bus driver notices my mom's shirt. And he says, excuse me, is that written in Jewish? And she says, no, Jewish. it's written in Hebrew, but it's the language of the Jewish people, if that's what you're asking. And she says, are you guys Jews? Yeah. And my mom says, yeah, of course we're Jewish. And he's like, well, I don't want any Jews on my bus. You have to get off. Wow. And my mom said, I don't know who you think you are. We're not getting off this bus. And he got up, grabbed my mom, and threw her off. Wow. And that was the moment where so I realized sad. I was not prepared for this world. Because wow. I was not taught how to defend myself physically, emotionally, ideologically, spiritually. We're taught to practice Judaism, not put Judaism into practice. We're not giving the younger generation the ability to actually go out and be Jews in the world. Just practice interior from the interior perspective. So that was the moment that A, made me realize that I have to be active in this world, not just passive. And B, it made me realize that it didn't matter where I was born, grew up, lived in, traveled to, resided in, what passport I have, where my parents or grandparents were born, where my rabbi was born, where his rabbi was born. What mattered was that I was a Jew. So I ask myself, what does it even mean to be a Jew? We're told that Judaism is our religion, right? But I think the word religion, we need to understand, it's not a Hebrew word. It's a word of the goyim. And how do the goyim define this word? Not how we define it, because as Jews, what we define as a religion is, this is our identity, our culture, our Torah, our spirituality, our history, our language. That's what we say when we say that Judaism is our religion. Right. But let's understand how the rest of the world defines this word. They define it as a belief system in a God, deity, book, or a prophet. So wow. if you do not believe in the God, deity, book, or a prophet, you're not a part of religion. Hence, a Christian who doesn't believe in Jesus is not a Christian. A Muslim that doesn't believe in Muhammad is not a Muslim. A Buddhist that doesn't believe in the philosophies of Buddha does not identify as a Buddhist. Yet a Jew, even if they don't believe in Torah and in Hashem, although it's a fundamental part of our culture, is still a Jew. And in order to become a Christian, you just accept Jesus and become a Christian within one second. To become a Muslim, you accept Muhammad within one second, you become Muslim. And that's what religions are. They're ideologies that cross over borders and nations that one gets to be a part if they identify with it in the moment or not. Whereas a Jew, even to convert to Judaism, we don't just say, I accept Torah and Hashem. You have to go through years of a process of adopting an identity, a history, a culture, a value system, a tradition, a purpose, all this history and this future that you're passing down. So I don't see Judaism as a religion by how the world defines the word religion, maybe by how Jews misdefine it. But I see Judaism as really the portable suitcase of a native civilization's identity, way of life, spirituality, purpose, role in this world to do that we packed up, we called it Judaism in this sort of suitcase. We passed it down generation to generation with the aspiration of Shanaba Yerushalayim. One day we will come back home, revive this suitcase and be ourselves. Now, I think we did a great job in preserving. I think we are starting the path of decolonization, of coming back to our land, reviving the land, making an army, you know, bringing back Jewish things. But we still have much more to go. Our land and our society and our mentality and our spirituality is very much so still colonized. I mean, the fact that we even have Orthodox conservative reform, that comes from the church. 
Sephardic Jews, Mizrahi Jews, any other Jew outside of Ashkenazi Jews don't have these divisions, right? That's how the church divides itself. So we began dividing ourselves by the frameworks of the societies that we were living amongst. And I think that this next chapter of Jewish history, our generation's turn, is to go through this process of decolonization and to figure out what does a Jew really mean? What is the role of a Jewish people? And actually go and apply that in the real world. Wow. What a very com comprehensive journey you just took us on and we really appreciate that because it's something which very much resonates with what we've been doing in the studio of Shalom Arish and his main focus and we're going to discuss this a little bit more is obviously as you know is a Muna that's the key word a Muna means relationship with God and that's something which as a Jew we have ability as part of our mission you mentioned the mission of teaching our message our, our purpose being part of humanity not just being exclusive to humanity god forbid but to be part of humanity in a unified way that this message should reach the world and for rav Oresh, it's very much about amuna and that's why this book universal garden of amuna was a very big uh chiddush, a new idea in the jewish world that we are talking to everyone not just the jewish people we're communicating principles that are universal and our books and our language and how we teach torah or understand our journey has to be universal it has to be explained in a universal language which he was ahead of his time we also know if we go further back the chabad rebbe also a big teacher of universal principles and he's helped as we know their movement has done tremendous things globally and i'm sure you've benefited as much 100%. as i've benefited from whenever i've traveled or toured i've seen the power of chabad and what they're doing globally but then Rav Oresh, who as a breast lover, which generally is looked at as a more insular path about a relationship with God, has done the wonder of teaching that in a global level, to the point where breast lover is a very common concept now in the world, maybe not globally yet, but at least amongst the Jewish world, and it slowly is growing globally on our platforms, we see the amount, uh, I think is about half-half in terms of Jews and non-Jews in, in, in the demographics that are involved in our platforms, and that's a Big credit to Ravosh and myself witnessing on the tours his ability to communicate to all kinds of people and to have all kinds of visitors. And they themselves um, say we were in Houston, the majority were not Jewish who visited us. And the ones who spoke with Ravosh were asking Ravosh to help teach them how to build their relationship with God. That's what they wanted to know. They came all the way to ask that. Not that they could get a blessing for wealth or, or uh, you know, all the other things of this world. They wanted to know how they become more connected to God. And they knew that he's someone who's a master of that. And it was amazing to w witness with my own eyes and hear the conversations and to see how the effect he's having on the world, not just on the Jewish people. And that, I think, is a very important point that I, I feel that you're on that path in, in your way. And that's something which is... Uh, uh, a connection point between us today. Um, me personally, I, you know, I'm not Rav Oresh. I'm just representing him here right now, being I'm holding his book and his teachings and we're in the studio. But me personally, I grew up in the entertainment world and I saw the power of entertainment bringing people together through music. And that's a big part of my Unity bookings. So all the work I've done years of work with Nissan Black and many other artists and slowly starting to expand that more. As, and we all are together as a group trying to grow the ability for inspirational music to reach the larger world and so the people who are singing and performing and going and doing entertainment are role models so that's that brings us to the the questions we have a few questions i'm going to jump to the question two we'll get back to the first one later for rudy and the rabbi too often i see on any pro amuna 
Israel, Torah, posts, the Free Palestine flag and pre Free Palestine um, message, or even worse, like hate messages, like uh, pictures of Nazis or all kinds of horrible things. I'm not saying they're all connected, but it definitely is that kind of vibe. Um, I saw that your pages, someone wrote to us, that your pages delete them, meaning we're not keeping them on the comments. We don't like them. Are they just trolls? And how do you deal with it? I think that the larger question uh, beyond just dealing with the side effects of the deeper yeah. problem is why is there a deeper problem? Uh. Why is there anti-Semitism in the first place? Why is there this rejection of the Jewish people? Why is it that when you look at every single group within a society, every extreme of that group agrees on one thing and that the Jew is the problem? The communists blame the Jews for being the capitalists. The capitalists blame the Jews for being the communists. The far right hates us. The far left side hates us. The white supremacists, neo-Nazis hate us. The black supremacists, Farrakhan hates us. It's almost as if you go to every group, you take their extremes, they all agree on one thing, and that's the Jews the problem throughout history and throughout time. Now, the question is why? Now, some people try to give a logical answer that, you know, we're very successful as Jews. You know, sure. obviously not every Jew, but, you know, compared to other people. But if you look at the recent immigrants within the U.S. that are very successful, you have Koreans, you have Nigerians, and you have Indians. And there's no huge hate movement against those groups for their success like you see for the Jewish people. I mean, in New York City, we make up 13% of the population, and over 56% of the total hate crimes are specifically targeted against Jews. Wow. Now, you so other people say, well, we like to separate ourselves. We have our own shuls, our own cemeteries, our own community centers, our own communities, and, you know, so do the Amish, so do some Tibetans, so do Armenians. So, again, that's not enough of a reason to say that this is why but, there's but so much Why hatred. specifically the Free Palestine, Palestine flag, that is the most common symbol of hatred we get Because people us. today see that the biggest threat to Israel or the biggest war that they're facing yeah. is with the Palestinians. So they're going to latch onto this cause, but really whatever cause would exist, they would go and support. Now, it's not everyone. There's some people who truly care about Palestinians. I do sure. too, because we have a responsibility on every life form in this land. And if we can't talk about tikkun olam and ola goim until we talk about tikkun babayt mabnidodim. Sure. However, I think people are latching on to any movement that they can experience as attacking Israel. Now, the bigger question is, okay, if there's no logical answer of something that we're doing that explains why we're being rejected and hated by all peoples, then the question becomes, what are we not doing? And I think to try to find that answer, I went backwards and said, okay, what is our purpose in this world? What is our mission statement? And it's very clear in the Torah that it says that the Jewish people, besides doing the mitzvot for ourselves to make us the best versions of ourselves, we need to do tikkun olam and ola goim. We need to heal the world from its problems, hatred, jealousy, darkness, disease, whatever it is. And we need to go and empower the other nations in order for them to fulfill their greatest potential because we're all a part of one creation. And so I asked myself, okay, let's say if the world is one body and each nation has its own function system or organ within the body. Now, it's not binary. It could be one nation has three functions. It could be three nations all share the role of one function. It could be a version of many. What within the human body does the role of the Jewish people what is the role of the Jewish people? Healing the body and allowing the other organs to function. And I was thinking about this. It can't be the brain because the brain allows the body to function, but it doesn't heal. Same with the heart, allows the body to function, but doesn't heal. So what? And I realized it's the immune system. The immune system's responsibility is to A, heal the body and B, to, to allow the other body functions to work. And so when the immune system doesn't work within the body, which wow. I don't think the Jewish people are doing their job in this world, we have so much potential, so much light, so much ability, but we don't do it as a collective, but we don't use Israel as a vehicle to go and achieve that. When we're not being the immune system, the other organs subconsciously are finding a reason 
to blame us for the cause of the problems. And it's not because we created it, but because subconsciously they realize that we had a responsibility to prevent it. And so if we truly want to end anti-Semitism, we need to understand historically, it only rises when the Jews are disconnected, disempowered, do not know who they are, assimilating, are going against Hashem. That's when anti-Semitism rises. And when the Jewish people are united, empowered and fulfilling their purpose, that's when anti-Semitism comes down and we overcome the greatest of challenges. So in a certain way, it's like a very honest and transparent look at ourselves, a very authentic evaluation of our journey as a people, rather than pointing fingers at anybody or blaming or, or removing the blame from ourselves. Like we are being accountable. It's, it's but we have to be blame. strong it's, it's as well. There's the responsibility, but no. it seems like when I hear you speak, there's a certain strength and pride as well. So th this is an interesting balance that mm. you're walking. It's not like you're therefore being accountable and saying, like, you know, the Torah itself, if you look at Rav Oresh, he's talking all the time in this book as well, we just put it out now, about his bodice, the highest level attainable, greater than everything. Why is it so amazing? One of the main reasons is because the whole process of talking to Hashem is facing yourself. That's one of the, the, the secrets and foundations of talking to God is you're actually experiencing yourself in the most intimate, deep level, and you have to take accountability for yourself. That's Cheshman and Nefesh. That's how all our Jewish yeah. holidays are. So that's, We look at the yeah. past, we look at what we went through, we realize the mistakes, and we learn the lessons. And also on a personal level as well. Okay. And that's the prayer service. It's meant to be that experience with God that we become more elevated and, and we try to attach ourselves back to our mission three times a day or uh, every weekend on Shabbat. or We're constantly tuning into the the purpose, tachlis, my separations, what we're here for. And that's that's what the, the Rav Oresh is trying to remind us through constantly talking to God, we're constantly tuning into our purpose, which is then we're fulfilling our reason d'etre, we're, you know, I hear you're a bit French, so maybe correct it, raison d'etre, we're, we're trying to tune into the, the real reason we're here, and that gives us constantly a, a, an, a, an awakening and a reminder, like the idea of having a mezuzah or a sitzis and all these things we do, to remind us that we have a mission. And it's not, you know, for, for women as well, their, their way of reminding themselves, everybody, it's a, it's a universal journey for all of the Jewish people to constantly be in a state of awareness and purpose. Uh, but it comes, the interesting point is it doesn't make us into like weak schmutters, like, oh, we're so sorry, we're, we're apologizing to everyone. Not at all. To the contrary, we have yeah. a response to be fulfilled, so let's start doing it. So it's really, once again, it's getting us to be active. That's the point. We named this class True Activism because we want to be, become more active in our role as as uh, as all goyim, as it's written in the Torah, a light unto the nations, and that this should rather bring about peace, not war, not hate, hatred, our journey. It should. So what, what what's the disconnect that it seems that historically and we're not even that far away from a Holocaust. I don't know if your family came from that. Other uh, side, yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, you know that um, on a on a personal level and historical level, that wasn't that long ago, and yet right now we're experiencing, as you said, it's just different clothing, but it's always coming again and again. Like it says in the Haggadah, you know, called Dovado Hashem's. He's <laughs> saving us from their hands because every generation we are in a situation of danger. And the question is, how do we now come to this climax? So I think we're at the end of history, in my opinion, and we're at a point where we can actually bring about um, the opposite experience of the Holocaust, where you, the world actually awakens and comes to a higher way of understanding humanity. How do we undo that? Like, 
that hatred. I mean, definitely discussing things. I see you doing that. Communication is a big part of it. Do you have any other tools that you're seeing you're making steps forward in this? I mean, we know that in Judaism, there's never one answer. So there's no one answer for that question. But sure. I think, again, we need to find out what our purpose is and to apply it. I don't see Israel just as a, a land that should be our safe place. Uh, you know, with these symbols, with the menorah and the Magen David and yeah. the Hebrew, and then it makes us feel like this is enough. It's not enough. We need to create a Jewish system that works for all peoples here. And we need to apply what we're meant to do in this world, which is to spread light. So I see it as the Jewish people are the driver. The land of Israel is the vehicle. We know the destination is Mashiach, which in my, uh, my opinion is not necessarily just the person, but really an accomplishment of a generation. Yeah, but the way gets... I explained it was an awakening of consciousness. Yeah, and yeah. We, we get the world to wake up from yeah. the reality and we bring, yeah. you know, Shammai Manalitz together and we're at one understanding that we're all a part of one, where we were before uh, Gan Eden. So we need to understand it and we need to get to there. And the direction to get to there, I think, is, is in the Torah. Right, there are codes. Uh, for example, it says that in the times of Mashiach, the tribes of Israel will reunite from the four corners of the earth. Yeah. Answer Kibbutz equals equation. Yeah. Now flip it around. Equation equals answer. Bring the tribes of Israel from the four corners of the earth and oh. you get a step closer to Mashiach. So that was actually another question. We were never lost. We saw that. Please explain your mission and how it combines with journey of a Munatora and unity. So you've already answered. And, and that's the answer. It's yeah. very clear. Now, first of all, I think any Jew that's in need that wants to come back home should be able yeah. to give in that right. You know, imagine if these tribes of Israel had managed to come back home first and we were still suffering in Europe and North Africa and the Middle East and they wouldn't recognize us. So number one, it's the moral thing to do. It's only normal. It's our family members. But number two, we can never really be ourselves without them. And let me explain. You have the Ashkenazi Jews that took a lot of uh, rational intellect and all sorts of stuff. You have Sephardic Jews that took a lot of spirituality and a lot of warmth. And of course, you have that on both sides. But you can see that clearly these two groups took different things and they preserved sure. those things. And you see other groups who, who kept other things. And so we started to bring the pieces back into the line of Israel. Now, when you have a puzzle, you need all the pieces in order to do the puzzle. Because if you're missing one or two pieces, then you won't know where some of the pieces go. Or so like brought... uh, the Moshul of a Sefer Torah. If, you don't, if you're missing letters, it's not kosher. Nahon, nahon. And exactly. all the souls are connected to the letters of so the Sefer Torah. So we brought back Torah. a few pieces. They're standing well, on that means we don't have a kosher Sefer Torah. We, we're missing parts. But that doesn't mean we get rid of it. That means nahon. we need to fix it. That it means has, we need still to has holiness. Even, even a 85 letters is the minimum. Nahon. And that's a very small amount. So then... Most of the Torah have holiness of a Sefer Torah. The problem is they might not be complete. Yeah. So we need to bring these brothers and sisters yeah. of ours from the four corners of the earth back. And this is where the project started, where I realized four years ago, at 24 years old, that uh, I have brothers and sisters in Africa. And when I saw these images of them speaking in Hebrew, wearing tefillin, talking about things, then I did research and I found that they found genetic evidence. They found the Kohen gene in the Lemba in Zimbabwe of the group that specifically function as the Kohenim. And they oh. come from Bayt Rishon, so they still do Kolbanot, they still preserved which grasshopper, cricket is kosher, and they show you with this. They, the, the, the Shochet can't leave the village for more than a day because oh. they want to make sure that he never breaks. Uh, they can't drink from a cup from a goy because maybe they, they, their lips touch pork. They have all these different rules. They do Brit Milah at eight years old rather than eight days old oh. because there was a generation where they were being killed and persecuted for being Jewish. And one of the ways that the Goyim would tell that they were Jewish is if the kids, the babies, had circumcision. So they changed it to eight years old so that they would be conscious enough to hide it. Wow. And they kept the number eight in order to preserve it. So these fascinating things. And we have no idea about them. So the goal of doing this documentary series is to bring these stories back to the consciousness of our generation in order for us to realize that we have a responsibility to bring our brothers. And you know what? It actually also says it in the Torah. What is the, the blessing that Yaakov gives to Yehuda? 
as he gives a blessing to each one of his sons. Yeah. He says, you will preserve the scepter, you will preserve Tawah, you will preserve the Malchut, and you must protect and give it back to your brothers that will lose it. Now, it's not talking about the brothers at the time. We know they never lost it. It's foreshadowing to the tribes that will be displaced. So it's our very responsibility to go and to do this. And I believe when we start bringing those individuals back, those members of Amisal, then we're going to start seeing a very different picture and an expression of who we are in this world. Beautiful. So I want to now go to a, more, a bit more personal level just because in the end we're all human beings and we do have a personal side and we have struggles and that's part of what we're trying to help these classes with our personal struggles uh, give us the chizit, the strength. Somebody asked how does Rudy process the negative comments about your journey etc as we see online unfortunately there's always that voice and as well as even for maybe even people around and around like even family god forbid or is there are people I know in my own circle being about tshuva that didn't understand my journey and thought I'd gone crazy that I want to be in Israel and Yushalayim I'm in the music world why do I have a great life in London what do I need to leave that for so there's always that voice of opposition and uh, we all need chizak in our generation that's what they wrote but the, I just want to ask a little bit deeper and I hope you don't mind and if you're not comfortable it's totally up to you what you what, how you respond but like what we've mentioned now, we were never lost. And that is that our actual website, we were never lost.com? You can check out more information. It's yeah. going to be a documentary series that will okay. have this one done. We're in production. So right we now. were never lost can be Googled, I suppose, and it will come up information. Yeah. And so eventually the full documentary will look forward to see that. But we're going to hopefully put on the end of this video, our studio team, um, the uh, 15 minute video you made about your experience in Nigeria, just so people who are joining our platform won't have to click on the link to go straight to you they'll for the straight away see something from your content if you don't mind you give permission absolutely, that's good absolutely. it'll be part of this video and uh just be maybe a five ten minute extract of it and they should go watch the full thing on your platform but just to give them an in, an intro so once they're here they're already seeing we want to ask like how like that experience it wasn't just negative comments we were actually in prison for a few weeks and i know you've been asked this a lot on media, I saw it all over the place, thank God, and in a positive sense, there was initially the, the very big fear, and I was even in touch with your manager, Aaron, asking about what's going on, because I suddenly I saw it went public, and uh, he's an amazing guy, Aaron, and I was asking, you know, what's going on, and it was crazy, and we were all scared, we were all praying, but you were actually there in that experience, that's once again, it's the difference, like, I'm looking at it as someone who's experiencing it, fine, I live in Yushalayim, I have lots of experiences here also, which are challenging, but not like that and you were out in, as you said before we started the class on the field you were doing it so you're experiencing the difficulty of being in prison and seeing god forbid the hatred or the confusion that people are walking around with the political confusion that they would arrest someone who's done nothing wrong etc how do you process your mission with reality sometimes when it seems to be so many obstacles it's so difficult. But the obstacles are beautiful. They're, yeah. they're meant to get us to work on ourselves and oh. switch of a tikkun. They're all a yeah. test. And we realized that the whole entire time. No, we well, definitely didn't go through. That was you and your team. Us and the team. We were Amazing. three individuals, me, Noam, and David. Um, we were three weeks in, in prison. The first week, they put us into a cage full of rat feces, human urine, mold everywhere, wow. sleeping on the floor in the dark in a small room. Um, and we didn't have food for the first week, you know, one wow. week only with water. And then they transfer us for the next two weeks to another cage with Boko Haram terrorists as uh, cellmates. So wow. 
We were with uh, ISIS terrorists, basically, mm-hmm. one of which had killed 70 people in a terror attack. Wow. And it was definitely not easy, but there were constant, constant miracles and signs from Hashem. Wow. I mean, nonstop. And the more that you're in tune with them and the more that you realize that this is a test, the better that you'll be and the more that you can overcome. So I think, first of all, the fact that we have obstacles or that people have opposition or people criticize us, we shouldn't see that as something negative. It's an expression of truth, maybe put into the wrong way with the wrong intention, but there is an expression of truth there that makes us have to look within and understand and see how we can do better. Even in this last parasha, parashat Korach, eventually Aaron, Moshe has to send Aaron to be there to show him that I'm going to put myself in front of the people. He has to to put in front of the people and that was the test for the nation to, you know, go past this chapter of rejection to, to Moshe. So we need to go that. Now for me, the question I asked always and what I would like to give to people is I think we all have our own individual purpose and also our collective purpose. Now our individual purpose can evolve, can change, can be many things, but we all have to be in tune with what are the problems that we see. We all have different eyes because the eyes are a reflection of what our souls are trying to communicate sure. to us. And if we see a problem somewhere where someone else doesn't see a problem there, that means that your soul has this drive and this necessity and this tikkun to go and fix that situation. So the problems that I see in my life are A, the rise of anti-Semitism and the fact that we can't you know, live and thrive and survive. B, assimilation of Jews being weak spiritually, physically, ideologically, mentally, psychologically, that we don't know who we are, that we're disconnected from who we are, that we're not fulfilling our purpose. Um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, you know, that we have our own cousins in our land and that we can't find a way sure. to, to fix that. So the sad. lack of vision that we have as, as a country, as a people. Sure. I mean, what, what is the next chapter of Jewish Too much history? political infighting, not enough. And the last thing is the vision, tribes of yeah. Israel. So I would say that those five things that I focus on, that I realize that those are the problems that my eyes see currently, I'm sure it, with time it will evolve, yeah. as it has always, those are the things that I need to go and fulfill. And as long as you're in tune with your purpose, and you're open to criticism and you're open to growing and you're open to taking those obstacles, I think that you'll be completely feeling the sense of fulfillment. Well, so I, I personally like relate to very much what you're saying. And I just add one point. I, it was an idea that came to my head. I wrote a book with United Souls. And I thought instead of anti-Semitism, let's change the word and get it, get the concept out there of anti-soulism. Because really, what are they anti? They're anti, like, what was Hitler, Makhshima? What was he anti? He was anti the consciousness mm-hmm. that we create, the soul energy that we develop. We awaken the soul of humanity. And maybe people like Hitler, God forbid, those kind of personalities, they want to push that soul message down. They don't want it to, they don't, they, they reject that. Mm-hmm. And we are messengers of the soul. So I was just trying to switch a little bit away from a political terminology to a more spiritual terminology. I think that's what I'm heading towards personally. Like the idea that we have a soul level, you and me are souls, and we were meant to be now talking and discussing this. And the soul level is is on a global level. And if people would have more awareness of soul, then it could communicate better because they'd understand that there's, as you said, people are how very complex. And even though on some level they're very simple, there's that that contradiction all the time with, with life where you have the 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 larger story and the, the personal story you have the the yesh the iron the iron you have the constant there's something there's nothing there's there's a constant balance going on in the world and for us personally we on a soul level can learn to communicate that we connect and we able to look each other's eyes and see there's there's a soul connection like uh, between a soulmate a husband and wife there's a soul connection and that's the eyes meeting and so too with people like when I was in university I looked into the souls of the people I was in university with 
and they were human and it was no longer what religion what this what that and i was friends with everybody when i was in school public school in london state school it's called in england and i was friends with everyone they were my friends the jewish thing here and there would come up that someone from outside would say oh you're a jew and be anti-semitic but um, when i was in the actual reality of daily life i was a soul communicating to everybody and i felt that throughout my journey until i'm here i needed to come back to my roots that's why i'm in jerusalem and torah and learning by Ravorish, but I needed to, and other Siddiquim, other Rabbonim, and learning from you now as well. Um, but there was there was something that the soul level was drawing me, and that's what I'd like people to just know with you as well, that it's not a totally political equation. Like, it, it's, there's, there's more, there's so much to humanity. It's like a metaphysical what are, one. Yeah, what do people want? Like, what are they wanting? Why are they fighting over land and fighting over you know, power, why is there this power struggle? Like if you go online and you see there's all these conspiracy theories and then there's all this right wing and left wing and there's there's so much discussion going back and forth and, you know, between religion and not religion. And it's, it's, it's very painful to look if you're a person looking for unity, it can be very, um, a, a big, you know, like, wow, like this is overwhelming. So how do we, what, what are actual practical steps? Because remember, we want to be active. I'm talking on spiritual, but and Rav Oresh is guiding us how practically to do that spiritually. And that's what these books are about and the teachings and what we do here with the music and the energy we're trying to generate. But how would you say in your way and the fact of all the people you're experiencing, what are the practical steps that you can encourage people, not only just to pray for people, because that's a big campaign the Rav is pushing us to bring unity through prayer, but also on a daily life level, like how do we communicate to people online, posting, you know, when we're doing business, how, how are you able to break through those barriers that are causing all this strife that you mentioned before? Well, to talk specifically about communication, I think that yeah. we need to understand when we're communicating with someone, it's not about proving them wrong and you're right. Yeah. It's about extending their ability to understand truth through their own language that will include the truth that you have. Amazing. And I think that's a key of communication with any relationship, right? When you speak to a parent, to a sibling, to a child, to a, a partner, to a friend, to a business partner, to you have to understand the traumas that they have, the things that they already see to be true, you know, how they speak, what they look, what they like, what they don't, where are their red lines. And once you understand how they communicate and their language that they speak, not just the English, Hebrew, you know, French, what I'm saying, the language of how they see the world, then you're able to give your message in a better way in order for them to actually comprehend it. And the well, point is not just to regurgitate the information you have, because for that you can go to the mirror. The so, point is to actually be able to go and to speak to their neshama. And to speak to the neshama, you have to also understand where are the problems that exist within them, what are the things that they already see to be true, that you can create a parallel in order for it to be much easier understood. And so that's the way. And I think that when it comes to communication, each person is different. When I'm engaging someone in a debate, I don't know where they stand. Sure. I don't know what their opinions are. So before I really go into it, I try to study them. I try to hear them. I'm listening wow. all the time. Wow. I'm asking questions to figure out where it is. I can I can share a story with you. Yes, please. When I was a student at Columbia, uh, I went there specifically because it was listed the number one most anti-Semitic school in North America. Amazing. And so I decided to go there and I created a group yeah. for Israel that wasn't right wing, left wing, one state, two state. It wasn't a political thing. Uh, our goal was to empower the Jewish students and allies to narrate the story of Israel and the Jewish people and to defend and protect us from all things and wow. to give us the tools. Now, my first semester at uh, Columbia, I was forced to take a class, everyone has to take it, called University Studies. And it's this class that teaches you how to study, which the teacher to email, the library to use, the advisors, and it's twice a week, two hours each, four hours in total. 
mandatory. You don't get a grade. It's pass or fail based on attendance. Wow. And you know, I'm realizing this is a huge waste of my time. I have more important things to do. Yeah. And you know, for Israelis, the line starts in the beginning, not at the end. <laughs> so right away in my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And um, I'm sitting in the class and I sign in my name. And right above my name is a very Jewish name. I'm not going to say his name. It doesn't like that I say his name, but let's let's use a similar one, David Cohen. And I noticed that the person sitting here, I passed the sheet over. I'm like, hey, David, are you Jewish? Yeah. And he says, yeah, so. And I'm like, no, no, don't worry. It's okay. I'm Jewish too. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I have a deal for you. I'm going to sign you in one class. You're going to sign me in one class. And we cut 50% of these classes. Wow. And eventually we found someone to sign us in every day. And we never came to that class again. And from that, we became friends. Wow. And one day I'm sitting with him. And he's like, you know, Rudy, why did you come to Colombia? I said, listen, I came here to create a movement that empowers the Jewish people, that sparks, you know, inspiration to all Jews around the world, all Jews on different campuses that are having hard times, sure, and to create a model of success in the I darkest of places. 20 years, 24 years ago, uh-huh. even then. So, yeah. as soon as I tell him the word Israel, his face changes, and he says, listen, Rudy, I like you as a person, but I'm not a fan of the apartheid, the genocide, the ethnic cleansing, all the trigger words pouring out. And before I went back and get in debate mode and challenging mode, I would say, okay, let's take a few steps back. Tell me your story. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? You know, your parents, your grandparents. And he's like, oh, I was born in the Bay Area. I'm like, okay, that makes sense already. But before that, and he says, before that, we were in the Soviet Union, in Georgia, Ukraine, in Russia. And I was like, okay, and before that? He says, what do you mean before that? I was like, before the Soviet Union, where were Jews from? He's like, no, we were probably Russians and Georgians that converted to Judaism. He's like, you mean to tell me that in the Still time like... we're practicing Judaism, doing a Brit Milah uh. would cause you the penalty of death that hundreds of thousands of people are converting to Judaism, yeah. let alone if you trace the DNA of Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, it's Middle Eastern, uh. let alone if you trace the linguistic history of Yiddish, right, which is a Creole of Hebrew and German, and uh. the Yiddish being spoken in Russia is a mix of Hebrew, German, and Russian. As population moved, they yeah, added so... on words with the time. And I'm telling him all these things, and he's realizing, whoa, I'm actually from Israel. And he had never really understood and grasped that concept. And it took a little bit of time. He came to some of the events. At first he said, don't put me in any of the pictures. I have all my anti-Israel friends. I don't want them to know. Came to one event, two events, three events. And after a year being in our our group, he eventually decided to start putting tefillin, start eating kosher, uh, move to Israel, join the army. So within one year, we took a person from... I reject Israel and I side with all those that are currently oppressing Whoa. Israel to I'm going to be on the front lines. And the answer to finding the tikkun, the, the point is not to get someone to join the army. Yeah? The point is to find someone to really connect with their purpose and reconnect with their people. And again, the only way to do it, to give the answer, is to know the question. And everyone has a different problem, a different issue within them. And if yeah. you're engaging with someone, your, your goal is to seek the, the, the truth within them and to provide them more truth. Well, I'm glad you really explained that beautifully because on a personal level, that was my journey. Also, why am I a Jew? That was It started with a question. Yeah. Why am I a Jew? Why are my friends Jewish? What does it mean when I went to state schools and majority of my other friends were not Jewish and yet I always kept being drawn towards my own people and my land and I didn't know where it was coming from. That was the question, burning question. So I had to come here and find out. Once I came, you know, I was overwhelmed with the, with the availability of wisdom and learning and growth. But now I'm here, I'm thirsty now to get that global. It shouldn't just stay here in Yushalayim. It says, It has to go out from Yushalayim. It doesn't say stay here. If it stays here, that's a mistake. That's, then we're welcoming, like you said at the beginning part, we're wel- welcoming, that we're not doing our mission, and therefore we'll, we'll turn into anti-Semitism. They'll be angry with us for us not doing our mission. Mm-hmm. So they're like are waiting for us. And I see from the feedback on our 
every time Ravoesh does something, I see the fee- positive feedback, how much they love and they appreciate, because that's us doing our mission. And then people in the world are like, yeah, now we can access something that's truthful and not just all this entertainment and other stuff that sort of distracts us also as a world from what we're meant to be doing. Because the world, as much as entertainment is needed on some level, but there also needs to be content that's truthful and so people can have values and know what their life's about, what purpose they have, their meaning and how to guide, even politically, how to have policy. You know, the lack of meaning and lack of values is is one of the main causes right now of so much, so much dysfunctionality going on and people are confused. We're coming from a place, both yeah. of us, of Emunah. So yeah. it's very clear to us. But yeah. for those who don't have Emunah and sure. don't believe in Hashem and the Torah, yes, sure. right? They, are, they need to be given a little bit more of a factual explanation. And the reality yeah. is that That's throughout true. Jewish history, no matter when we were divided, disempowered, and sinning against Hashem, going against each other, that is always when the worst chapters of Jewish history started. And whenever the Jews are united, empowered, and fulfilling their purpose, that's when we are able to overcome the greatest of obstacles. So it's very uh-huh. clear that if you want to change the outcome within the equation, you have to put an input that works. And if you keep putting the input that doesn't work, then you're going to get the same result. But what's pushing you to go out and do it? Because like I said, there's, I'm trying to do it from a studio, or here and there, I send an act, or a speaker, even yourself. I'd love to help assist you, get you more out there. But what is pushing you to want to go out and actively went to Colombia of all places yeah and if we go through your thing you've been traveling so much over the last you know how many years I mean your whole life it seems like it's been one big journey and it's been a global journey what is pushing you to be so available on a on a global level what what is it not just the um, ability to get your message out of what is there must be something more inside of you like with that we can all get a little bit of inspiration from to be less focused on our own you know little Dalai as they say in Hebrew, our own courtyard. The reality is that our souls were brought into the vessel that we're here in order to fulfill a purpose. And everyone has their own purpose, and yeah. I've been in tune with mine. And I am very lucky to have realized that purpose already at the age of seven, yeah. which obviously has grown and evolved with time. But everyone has to find their purpose. And I so think it might not be for everyone to go out as much, obviously. But everyone has their own way. Right? But someone who needs to save the we planet can do it online, with, the, with the pollution. Someone Does it work to, online? Does it, it, it works wherever there's darkness, yeah. there's light to go and be created. And every Jew has the ability to create light. They all have that spark. And you know, non-Jews also have an ability to create light. Sure. We're all part of one creation. 100% but the Jews it. said that we yeah. take the responsibility to do this as a collective. And so we're doing it as individuals. You see the Einsteins, the Freuds, the you know individuals making great uh, inventions. Even yeah. Facebook, the guy might not be connected to Mark this Zuckerberg, Judaism, yeah. but he has so much ability to create something that has created global and impact. And you'd be surprised when you hear him interviewed by someone intelligent like Lex Friedman or Tim Ferriss. You see they bring out that he's learning the Torah. He, he sees himself... Um, I've talked about it in my class about Mysa Beratius and that he's also creator on a certain level like God made us in the image of man of sorry God made us in the image of God and man is in the image of God so therefore we're also creators on a certain level so he sees everything he's doing is just part of God's creation he does have that foundation and he talks about it publicly on recent interviews it's not like he's hiding his Jewishness no for sure so he was also an API, yeah. the Jewish fraternity that I was a part of. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But uh, the point is that we're doing it as individuals. We're not doing it as a collective. Oh. Right? And we need to unite all these different pieces and do it as one collective. Now, for me, I asked more of the question, like, how are other people not doing this? Because I know that if we, if I don't do this, 
then the future of the Jewish people is at risk. The future of my children that one day Bezat Hashem will bring to this world that Amen. will be healthy and strong and able to continue Amen. spreading light, Amen. they'll have a worse life. So it's, it becomes a responsibility. When you see someone crossing the street, that they have their headphones on their, on their ears, and they're not paying attention to traffic, and there's a truck driving by, and you can just grab them and pull them back, yeah. the fact that you have the ability to do that becomes a responsibility. So, so I think it's all about having the perspective and ability to see, and once you see, it becomes a responsibility. I see it as not many people have their eyes open, and even fewer keep them open. Well, so it's also, in a way, waking people up to their responsibility to, to humanity, to themselves. It's really the, the, the key, as they always say, Chabadniks always say, you know, and Rav Oresh for sure says, we have to be besimcha, be joyous, but one of the ways to become joyous is by caring about other people. If we're totally consumed of our own day-in, day-out grind, we're missing the key to happiness, which is to be a giving person. So, so even in a way, it's, it's part of our own fulfillment as well, to be a happy person in this world. So I'll tell you something else yeah. also. I'll share another personal story that I haven't talked about much. Sure. Um, after the army, I left to LA for a year. I started school at UCLA and SMC. And then I took a year off to travel Asia. And then I transferred to Colombia. But while I was in Asia, I spent a month in India. And I went to Jaipur, which is the pink city. And it's a beautiful place with its history. And there was the rickshaw tuk-tuk driver that was taking me around <laughs> and explaining to me, you know, this is the story sure. of this place and the story. Yeah. And I really connected with the guy. Nice. And I asked him, you know, where, where do you live? And he told me the name of a place. And I said, what is that? And he said, you ever see the movie Slumdog Millionaire? I live in the slums. Wow. And I said, well, can you take me? I want to see what that's like. Yeah. And he takes me and I eat, you know, dinner with his family. I could only eat some canned vegetables because yeah. obviously I keep kosher when I'm abroad. And I told him before in order to get some food. Sure. And I'm sitting with him and I say, I, I realize he's living in a, a small shack with a tin roof on his head. His kids have two left foot shoes. One of them doesn't have a pair of shoes. Wow. And he has so little items. And, I'm, and I asked him, you know, can I spend a few days living with you? Ended up staying with him for a good five, six days, uh, sleeping with him, like the whole family and seeing how they live their lives. And I just couldn't understand why he's so happy. You know, of course, I only wish him the best and it's amazing, but this guy's always happy. And I asked him, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to find it offensive. I'm not trying to take away. I only want to give more, but I want to understand in order to take it for myself too. How are you so happy with the limited things that you have? And he said, most people are looking and chasing for happiness from the things that they still have to obtain, the items that they still want to get. And I get my happiness from the things that I already have. The person that's a billionaire has all all the wealth and material that loses his vision would give everything to be able to see again. A woman that becomes paralyzed, unfortunately, would give everything again in order to be able to walk. The person that loses his family in a car accident would give everything back in order. And he said, you know what? I have all those things. So I'm actually the richest person in the world. And I think that's just such a beautiful perspective of not only reaching out for more, but also understanding the blessings that you have. And that's really what I focus on when I put food in and I meditate in the morning, is on all the blessings that I have and also what is my purpose well, for Hashem. Look, to I'm going to be giving strength. you. I'm going to be giving you these books. It's all about that. The wonders of gratitude, and uh, you know, you're welcome to take them if you have time to read them. If not, share them out to your, whoever your friends are. It's English, uh, French. Hebrew, I'll give you a few different languages because I know you speak all three, is that yes. correct? You speak Spanish as well? I understand Spanish. Because yeah, we have, thank God, a very very pumping Spanish department here as well, which one day would be nice to see if maybe we want to try other languages and connect to Rav Oresh through that way and what he's doing here. One of the, the big points of Rav Oresh that I see, and I see that a responsibility myself, and I see that it's happening, you know, you're, you're living this as well in your way, 
is there's this contradiction you mentioned about you know the happiness and being samech b'helko that's in the Hebrew way of explaining it of being happy with your lot but there's also that contradiction again that as much as you're happy with what you have and what you know that is that key to happiness but you're that doesn't take away from a tremendous rots and a will to get your mission done it doesn't that contradiction doesn't weaken one one neither neither weaken the other the happiness is is a tool or is a reality to give you the ability to to be in the right state of mind to then do your mission but your mission is really the inner energy and the force like I see with Rav Oresh, I, I'm always still trying to learn from him. I don't know if I've truly understood how he is the way he is, but if you've seen any of his classes online or anything, his smile, his joy, his energy, his simcha, his happiness, teaching people to, to be happy with their lot. And yet when I see his rotsani, right now he's having trouble speak, and that's one of the reasons why he's not here in the class, but he's still speaking in, in Hebrew and Spanish. Those classes, for, because it's later on, it works out, his schedule, whatever, or the people there are a bit more pushy than I am, but they're making it happen, and he comes and speaks, but you see he's struggling, and you see that the, what's pushing him behind everything is his will to influence and help people and give them advice and connect with people. Uh, even in a, a sick state, he'd want to still travel, and the, the pain it's created inside of him that he's not able to then influence as much as he wants to, and that a human need to give and to influence is such a powerful it's it seems so at odds with the but it's not it well they work together and i think that you know i'm seeing with you like a lot of rotsonus a will a tremendous will like to the point where it's it's over everything you're doing is this will to influence and then at the same time you've still got the healthy you know balance of yeshivadas of happiness and that that it doesn't create that you know, because some people in activism, and I see that in the world now, they've sort of lost their way. They're not grounded people. They're not healthy. Their lifestyle's not healthy. They they don't look good, or they're not acting good. There's their um, acting, you know, doing acts of crime to justify the activism and to to push forth the activism. Like from what I'm seeing, thank God, you know, that your way is legal and healthy and. It's it's uh it's hasn't overwhelmed the values that you're doing your journey with, and that's a big compliment. And I think a lot of activist types of person could learn from that. Yeah. So uh, it's not just a message to to people to become more active, but that those who are should also learn to do it right. Yeah. yeah. Again, it becomes you go back to the, yeah. to the beginning of what is your purpose. Once you figure that out, be open to its evolution and have the will to go and to make that change in this world. But I think also when you have full emuna, you get yeah. rid of fear. You know, a lot oh. of people ask me when you were in Africa, were you yeah, afraid? The fear and I was like, I don't know what, what, what this means, being afraid to me. I got rid of that when I was seven years old, when oh. I was afraid, when my mom and I were attacked on that bus. And I realized I'm going to get rid of this emotion. Oh. Of course, I recognize when there are problems Such and young there are dangerous age. things. Oh. I'm going to get rid of this because everything in front of me is a test. And as long as I do the best thing, the right thing, even if it's the hardest thing to do, then Hashem will protect me. And I always look at life, the decision I have in front of me, even if it's very difficult to do, very uncomfortable, whatever it is, painful even, in 20 years from now, will I look back and be proud or will I look back and regret my choice? And you have to always make the choice that you'll be proud of yourself and fulfilled. Amazing. So we're going to round off the class just to say that what we've discussed is personally very meaningful for me and I hope you listeners and 
hopefully not just listeners, you'll become more active with your listening, that it should not only be listening externally and wow, that's a cool guy, but actually how can I now you're challenging them to also be active and represent and do their mission. Um, the Instagram to reach out to for Rudy is Rudy underscore Israel. Now, let me ask the Israel part of your Instagram. Is that a hint that your name is Yisrael? Yes. Okay, amazing. So we have a, uh, a special year in our studio. He's called Yisrael. He's representing the Eshi Shimribi Associates of the Torah, all the Nishamas of Klai. So we talked about this, the Sefer Torah. You have within you that soul level that's call out all the souls. So it makes sense in a way. You're like living up to your name, which is a, a little hint of what our mission is. is a lot of, well, not a little hint, a big hint. Let me give you a little bit yeah. more. First of all, my Hebrew name is Israel ben Meir Levi. Wow. Israel is wrestling with Hashem in order to grow. The struggle. Yeah. Ben Meir, like I'm fascinated by creating light. Alevi is the tribe that's supposed to yeah. communicate and bring vibrations and frequencies to the world and to the Jews to be able to be more in tune. Amazing. Now, my English name is Rudy. Why yeah. did my parents name me Rudy? Because this is the story of a Jew that during the Holocaust fought back against yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, it's a more German name, isn't it, Rudy? Yeah, it I have a back. family member who's from Germany. Yeah, he was, born, he was born in yeah. Berlin. He fought back against the Nazis. And at the end of the war, was able to take a lot of Jewish orphans and bring them back to the land wow. of Israel. Wow. Which, if you look at that, my name is exactly the person that I became. Amazing. So names definitely have power. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm named after Avdesla, if you've heard of him, Reveli Oliezer. And he was a big Baal someone we can learn from as well. Did tremendous things for the Yemenite Jews here. If you look at the history, um, he was part of Pilot and that organization. And he also wasn't really interested in this world, like in the physical attainments. He was looking for a bigger mission. And that's something, you know, we can definitely go back into the history of our name and who we are. Everyone should do that. Think about a little bit more who, who you're named after. Maybe it's a big uh, a guiding sign and flag post towards what you're meant to be doing. But also, once again, the prayer service, that's what brings us back just before we end off the class. To money when we do have a new booklet, Meeting with the King. I think it's spotted us. You, we can all attest how important it is. I'm sure when you were in those some of those difficult situations, talking to Hashem was just natural, you know, it's part of the reality. You know what's the one item yeah. that we managed to hide and bring with us? What? Guess. To fill in? Amazing. Every morning we put tefillin. Tefillin, amazing. And uh, I know myself, I see, I have a son who's, you know, please got another week or two will be joining the army. Um, we wish him success. It's my first of my children to do such a thing and I, I'm a little bit nervous, but at the same time, I'm proud of him and that I know he will do in the army, put tefillin on every day, because I've seen no matter what's going on in his life, he's learning tefillin and that's, that's, that's something which we should keep binding ourselves to God and that's the key to give us that, tuning ourselves back into the message of what we're here. We re we're going to please God give uh, Rudy about 10 of these books or so in different languages. It's a big segula the Rav holds that by giving 10 of the books, it gives you the ability now to share and that's a big part of his mission. And also we're going to be giving a bunch of pamphlets if he's interested and we're always offering our Amuna live.com website where we put this class up live weekly as well as my own and also the link to partner and breslev.com is the general link for all the articles and all the latest classes in english as well it will give you a link to all the other languages as well because it's the same website in essence to all the other languages of ravorish and please god we're going to keep praying that he'll be back here so we can have wonderful guests like Rudy joined the Rav himself and His Holiness. I apologize again to our viewers that I'm not on his level, but we're doing his mission. He's given us that opportunity. And I think we covered amazing topics. You're happy? Everything's good? Amazing. So we're rounding off the class. We're not sure who's going to be our next guest, 
We've been talking to Lachaim OG, Adam Stodmeyer, Nissan mentioned you can get hold of him, he's in the country. Baruch Hashem, Judah Michelle, never giving up and bring him. Judah, you're listening, come to the class already. Um, so we have wonderful people. Rudy's definitely one of the big highlights. It means a lot. We usually have music, so we end up with a song or something. But I think that the the key is that the the message, the the energy should be there. And if you have a song, what's your favorite song right now? Maybe we'll um, throw it in there. I mean, right now I'm listening to a lot of different types of music, and I yeah. usually try to connect to the music of the region that I'm going to. Yeah. So I'm listening to a lot of Afrobeats and Amo Piano because I'm in Africa. You're heading there soon. Yeah. I mean, we've this whole year we've been to Nigeria, Tanzania, and Uganda, you're not, you're not Zimbabwe, to go back. South Africa. Yeah. In July we're going again. I can't say yet where we go because okay. we always talk about it after. I understand. I understand. Uh, but no, there is no fear. There, it was a reason Amazing. why this happened to us, yeah. and it was a test, and we overcame it, and we need to continue. Amazing. So we're more African style music. Is there any specific names anyone should check out? No, I think if you check out Afrobeats and uh, Afrobeats. I'm a Piano, it's very interesting new sounds coming from Africa that I'm Amazing. trying to connect to the vibrations of what they themselves experience so that when I get there, I understand more. Is it connected? Energy. I have seen an awakening of hip-hop artists from Nigeria. Yeah. I mean, is that, the, look, are they bringing that energy there? The majority there? Yeah. of music in Africa is coming yeah. from Nigeria, and the majority of Nigerian musicians are Igbo, which is wow. the tribe of God. And they're, they're rapping about some of these concepts? Some maybe? Yeah, some no. I mean, you find Jews, <laughs> everywhere, yeah. Jews everywhere that are connected. It's a challenge to keep that commercial but, message. But they have yeah. the spark. They have yeah. the ability to create. That's the key. I got it. The, the, the creative spark is there, and let's hope that Rudy will be a light unto the nations himself and his team. Should be blessed with success. Thank you for joining us. Check out at Rudy underscore Israel or Rudy Rochman generally on all other platforms. And a big honor to have him. Let's keep sharing Amuna Global. You know where to find us. You know where all the Rav's books are. Would you just say a very, very quick message? Because uh, the studio did ask me before. We just as the end of the class, um, you choose whichever book language you want: English, French, Spanish. English is easiest for me. English. So we have English here. He's going to do a little message. You can say it in English, and if you could just end off a little bit of Hebrew, because they have they'll put it onto the Hebrew platform as well. Yeah. So I definitely look forward to reading this book, The Universal Garden of Amuna. Um, and there's two words here that really catch my attention. It's Imuna and Universal, right? Imuna is for your belief, for within interior, and then Universal is exterior. And, you know, Rav Kook talks about how there's three versions of a Jew. Jew have like three parts. They have the uh, spiritual connection, there's the nationalist connection, and then there's the universal connection. Sure. And we have to really obtain all. And we see a lot of kiruv towards the national element, a lot of kiruv towards the spiritual element, but we also need to understand that we need to put that all together and apply it externally. And I Amazing. hope that this is what uh, is going to be That's here. what we're aiming towards, universal and, uh, message uh, that everyone can connect with. And I look forward. ובעברית זה ספר ששמעתי נהדר, יש לו מלא חוכמה, מלא אור, ואני רוצה לקרוא אותו כמה שיותר מהר ולהבין יותר דעות של אנשים אחרים שגם חושבים באותו צורה על א
Okay, we're good. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Okay.